moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, July 20th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. This episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast is brought to you by Man Rubs. Visit manrubs.com. Use the code STEAK15 at checkout. For 15% off any of their lovely items in their store, barbecue, rubs, um, getting ready for summer, all the barbecuing you should be doing. Mm. Also, um, funny t-shirts, coffee mugs, as always, have the Make Barbecue Great Again coffee mug. And (coughs) we're also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. Visit stayreadygear.com. Use the code STEAK at their checkout. Save 5% off any of their goodies, concealed carry holsters, t-shirts, hats, any of that everyday carry gear, dump trays. Um, they do custom orders, so if you have an inkling to put your dog or something weird on a holster that you put in your pants, mm. let it rip. Send them images and uh, contact those guys. You can find them on social media at Stay Ready Gear USA. And again, their website, stayreadygear.com, and that code is fi- uh, stake for 5% at their checkout. You know, in-studio recording gear is something that we're all fans of. And for some of the world's most technologically advanced of that, hit up our friends over at Odyssey and odyssey.com. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, and they just have high-quality audio recording gear. Don't miss out on some of the best in-studio recording stuff that you can find on the market now. They're really kind of setting the curve in regards to uh, the podcaster revolution that's going on all over the world right now. Um, things that don't usually pop off inside the studio are firearms, but we all love them. Not yet. True story. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms is a gun dealer who's been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. He's a licensed FFL, and he will take care of all your shooty-shoot needs. Hit Mike up on Facebook. He's on the messenger at 619-870-6992. Outer Carriers... We all have them. Tack packs. We got a patch wall here up in the studio. And uh, you, you need things to accent it. Our friends down at Mediocre Medic and MediocreMedic.com can meet some of those needs. They got patches, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more to make you that extra, extra patriot when you're out there holding that Trump flag in the middle of a hurricane. If you're looking for a little bit more high-end, the bouge of the tack gear, Marcho Friday over at Dumpbox. And dumpbox.us. He's got everything you need that can take care of those tactical gear needs. I've got some pins on my bag right here. I'm looking at some patches up on the wall. I'm wearing my essential veteran t shirt, coronavirus flag up here in the studio, and so much more. It's the home of the Zero Fucks duck patch. And hit Mark up on dumpbox.us. And on that note, with the end of our sponsors, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Episode 50, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan. And joined, as always, by Nick. Noah's in route. He had some uh, stocking duties to do at Walmart. Yeah. Where we all currently work. 
And uh, we're going to have the breb. But before we get to the news, we have a guest on the show today. Current Florida state representative out of District 32. And also current candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives out of Florida District 7. Mr. Anthony Sabatini, welcome back to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. and uh, Round two. Right. We, we kind of let our listening audience get into that a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that just happens. How are you doing, sir? And uh, what do you got going on right now? Uh, very well. Just traveling, getting ready for a uh, little conservative conference this weekend, turning point. Oh, okay, interesting. Turning point is are always a good time. Definitely got some uh, really fired up people at those. Um, we're going to be at the uh, Clay Clark reopening event this weekend. So we're traveling up to Anaheim, and we're going to be participating in that. So Cool. Yeah. Great guys. Yeah, really good people, and uh, it's been great connecting with them. We had Clay on the show last week, and then we're going to be meeting a whole bunch of, uh, you know, your supporters probably over the weekend as yeah. uh, some of the people that are speaking. Um, all right, well, yeah. l- well, let's get right into it. So you're definitely uh, an America First candidate, but just for our listenership to kind of get to know you a little bit better, what are some of the things that make you that? Well, America First, you know, you ask a bunch of different candidates, they're going to tell you different things. But for me, basically, America First means saving the country, and that usually means saving the middle class. So stopping the destruction of the middle class is the the fundamental thing to me. So that means arranging our political affairs in a way where Americans are benefiting seriously, materially in a long way, and we're preserving the the future of the nation. So so first and foremost, it means stopping uh, big government experiments like Fauciism right. and uh, letting the federal government or even state or local governments try to orchestrate each and every aspect of your life and therein destroy the economy along with your liberty. That's the first and most prescient, most important thing we need to do is really go back to liberty and freedom for individuals. Uh, secondly, you know, in terms of foreign policy, it means ending all of these foreign entanglements and these ridiculous uh, foreign escapades and wars we've been involved in and wrapping up uh, not just, you know, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, but really getting away from being police in the world and funding all this internationalism and doing what we can to help globalism. We need to get away from globalism and go back to nationalism. Mm-hmm. So that's really big to me. Uh, deregulation is huge, but also really making sure we protect sovereignty through our courts making sure that we're holding our agencies accountable and our judges. You know, one thing we learned during COVID is we don't really have a lot of judges that are willing to stand up for the Constitution, whether it be election integrity or if it, or if it means uh, just fighting what some of these insane governments are doing in terms of extended lockdowns, mask mandates, you know, crippling religious liberty uh, and all sorts of things like that. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I forgot to mention probably actually maybe number one or two most important issue which is changing our immigration in this country so stopping illegal immigration at all costs mm-hmm. with your verify building the wall things like that but also changing the normal immigration system because right now 
the system of unlimited immigration, millions of uh, Americans coming, uh, new Americans coming in every year, yep. displaces and hurts middle and working class people in this country. So cutting back on that. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, we, we have to take into account. I know the immigration system affects us pretty bigly out here in California, especially in San Diego down on the border where we've kind of had... Well, we can't call it a crisis. We can't call it a surge. There's so many things that we're not allowed to call it. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And that unstemmed and unchecked illegal immigration that's been kind of affecting not just the southwest border of the United States, but pretty much like you alluded to with um, affecting the working and middle classes, the overall entirety of the country for decades on end now. And, and you know, we're at a point to where some of these um, amnesty bills are starting to get floated around in Washington, D.C. They're kind of like pre-gaming the direction they want to take on that since they've had so many other things like uh, H.R. 1 and, and things of that nature shot down already. It looks like climate change and uh, amnesty for illegals are going to be two of the next big ones on the docket going into next year. So it's really important to keep everybody in the know on just about what's going on and how could that not only affect, like you said, the working middle class, but voter integrity overall it's all connected absolutely so yeah but it goes back to just the rule of law and american sovereignty we have to protect sovereignty and you can't have rule of law you can't have sovereignty you can't have respect for laws people if there's no legitimacy in our laws and our elections people right now you know obviously we're finding out there was a lot of fraud there's a lot of shenanigans but even before we find anything out, just the fact that half our country doesn't feel comfortable with the laws and regulations in this country and how we elect people, and you see how corrupt it is, you know, that's the real problem, and that's what creates the illegitimacy is people don't trust their own country. Yeah. They don't trust the government, so therefore they stop trusting each other. They stop loving the country because how could you be expected to be patriotic and love a country that is corrupt? Right. No, it makes, it makes total sense. That's fundamental yeah and, and staying kind of on that and, and talking about things related to stop the steal in general um i saw you know you, you you you've been pretty active on twitter and we saw uh a couple over the last 24 hours i mean yesterday you were talking about all eyes on fulton county georgia but before we get into that um yesterday you tweeted out that the republican party had raised 300 plus million dollars claiming to fight for election integrity and guess how much of that they spent on the Maricopa County audit zero. Um, that's something really interesting that you pointed out there. Something that we've been kind of pointing out on the show for a while right now. I think the widening divide between Trump world and the real pulse of the Republican party and Ron McDaniel over there at the RNC is continuing to widen. Um, you've had president Trump really go after bill Barr uh, recently, especially after there were some, you know, revelations discovered of how he tried to uh, squash some of the stuff that's going on in Pennsylvania that's now coming to light with one of your counterparts, uh, Doug Mastriano, up there. Um, you want to kind of weigh in on everything? I mean, we, we so that's Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. What are your feelings on what's going on in all of those places right now? Okay, well, yeah, I mean, there's a couple different states in Arizona. What we found out is that the Republican thing to assist in the audit in Maricopa County, which is the biggest county, as you know, it's the Phoenix area county in the right. state of Arizona. They've done nothing. Now, what I have heard is that the state Senate, which ordered the audit, uh, 
didn't want to take the National Republican Party's money. I don't know if that's true. That's just what some of my sources have told me okay. after I made that tweet today. But either way, they should have. They should have been driving it from the beginning because it shouldn't have taken as long as it did. It's been two and a half, three months now right. of the audit. It's ridiculous. It should have never taken that long. Um, so that's that's an issue. I can't wait to see what happens. And the Republican Party better start supporting them more to find out, to get to the conclusion of what really happened out there. And then secondly, in Georgia, you know, like, like your listeners know, on Tucker Carlson this week, they found hard evidence yep. of duplicate ballots, thousands of ballots that have been counted twice. Obviously, we know why. Um, so we need to get a full, full-fledged investigation from the state legislature uh, investigating that and figuring out what's going on. The truth is we probably need to do it in Pennsylvania and all these other places, too. But we uh, are at the... Uh, precipice of those two states georgia and arizona right now so i think we're about to find out some pretty big things just probably the next couple weeks yeah we kind of are in the uh agreeance on that on this show we've pointed out so much of the stuff that's gone on i mean arizona you know trump did some good campaigning there towards the end getting closer to november 3rd and then you're trying to tell people that states that generally haven't voted blue since like the 40 especially arizona and georgia i mean arizona you had almost a hundred mile vehicle trump rally the week of the election um and even in places like pennsylvania one of the funniest things we like to point out on the show right now uh you're trying to really convince the american public just by saying it over and over again that you know joe biden won a place like pennsylvania when in the last week leading up to the election he campaigned there twice basically told the state that he was going to take away their jobs and shut down so much stuff in the energy sector, teach them how to code, teach them how to build solar panels, and then walked away and wound up winning that state. It just doesn't make any sense. So, you know. Yeah, it's a complete false, falsity. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, getting back to something that affects you a little bit more on a uh, at home in Florida um, you know, basis right now, we've had some of the uh, springs coming up across the world. We've had some issues in Haiti. We have kind of a little revolution that's getting kind of bigger by the day going on in Cuba right now. Um, those greatly affect a lot of the constituents, probably not only in your uh, area, but in Florida as a whole. So as someone who's running as a House representative there, what's your take right now on, number one, what's going on in Cuba, and number two, the current administration's response or lack thereof? And, and we'll get into that. i got a follow-up question on that one that, that's – probably going to be good for you going after that but just to get started how do, how do you feel about everything that's going on there and how our the administration right now really hasn't done anything to kind of you know support uh the large cuban community you have down there in florida well i think it's just so shameful what the Biden administration's doing uh they have so many options you know we can debate all day about what should be done there are a bunch of different ways that the uh country and the international community uh, can actually get involved and try to drive change against the regime to try to change the regime in Cuba without a land war. I'm not talking about some invasion or something. But I there is pressure on the base of the Democrat Party doing they're trying to they're trying to convince Biden to actually end the uh, the economic sanctions we have currently, which is basically a way of supporting the regime because it's a corrupt communist regime that takes any economic benefit they have and uses to bolster their own power over their own enslaved people. But so that's what the base is doing. The Biden administration doesn't have the courage to do the right thing, which is to 
rally the international community to be more involved and to encourage more economic sanctions and blockades from more countries to the point where it's a crippling effect over the nation. And then they and then they lead, the communist leadership in Cuba just says, you know what, we're gonna, this country is going to literally die if we don't change our ways. They have the power to do it now. The international community, you know, as useless as, useless as the UN is, there's other organizations right. uh, that can be allied with the United States to create pressure to get them to change and open up and begin to respect the people and transition away from communism. But the Biden administration doesn't have the courage to do it because he doesn't want to piss off his own radical out in, uh, in support and solidarity of the communist regime. AOC was in support of the, uh, the regime. She wants to end all sanctions, which is an economic windfall for the regime. Right. Um, Biden administration doesn't have the courage to do the right thing. So it's very shameful. It's disgusting. You know, I've made, I caught some flack. I, I uh, tweeted out a couple of days back uh, pretty ambiguously that all of the communist leaders in Cuba should be given an ultimatum that if they don't assist immediately in the regime, the change of the regime, then they should all be all round up, prosecuted, and potentially executed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I left it ambiguous as to who. I'm not saying that we should go invade the country tomorrow, but I think an international community should put pressure on them to do it. And you know what? If their corrupt communist leadership doesn't want to do it, uh, you know, we need to explore every option. The truth is it's a, it's a, it's a radical, anti-American, tyrannical dictatorship 90, 90 miles from Florida. Right. So it's we have a vested interest in actually knowing what's going on there. It's not like talking about Syria or Libya or Afghanistan, opposite part of the world in an impoverished country that generally doesn't care about us. Uh, it's a different situation with Cuba. Yeah, and we're so, usually so quick to uh, jump into those other places that you forementioned because of other things that m might be there. Maybe, I don't know if there were some oil fields in Cuba. <laughs> we might already be there. But sticking on that um, and kind of tying it into what's going on, we've already talked about how there is a huge crisis at the southwest border. We did see this week um, head of Homeland Security – uh, Alejandro Mayorkas take to the airwaves and kind of state to the people who may now be trying to escape during this most recent crisis going down in Cuba and how they will not be accepted as asylum seekers or refugees in the United States, but redirected maybe to another country, not the United States. Uh, didn't really make a whole lot of sense and kind of ties together a lot of the hypocrisy that goes into this current administration. I don't know if you know, um, some of our listeners have, know, because we've mentioned it on the show before, Alejandro Mayorkas's mother is a, well, she was a Romanian Jewish refugee who escaped Nazi Germany, um, made it to Cuba, and then eventually came to the United States from there. So I thought it was pretty interesting this week to see the head of Homeland Security kind of redirecting Cuban refugees away from Florida in the United States when at some point, albeit a long time ago, his mother was in the exact same spot. Yeah, uh, I mean, one thing people have to realize when you're dealing with the Democrats and the Democrat administration is that these are soulless, nasty people. These are vile <laughs> people. They have no sense of shame. They have no sense of decency. They are the worst kind of tyrant. You know, the worst type, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis and a lot of great authors have always said the worst type of tyrant are the benign tyrants, the ones who think they're actually helping you. They think they're serving the public good. It's not they don't understand themselves as being evil, so there's no limit to the horrible 
things that they'll do because they think they're they're always thinking they're on the right side of history. And uh, a lot of the Biden administration officials fit this this category of people who are just so evil. I mean, you're literally talking about denying Cuban immigrants any refugee status based on the fact that they know they're going to vote Republican. They have no shame in admitting that. They're not going to put in those exact words, but that's what it's about. You know, they want immigrants from countries where you're going to get a certain demographic who are going to be more who are going to be more impoverished and you know more prone to the Democratic Party versus the Cuban immigrants, which have always come right straight into the middle class and work really hard and love this country. They're basically mode of patriotism and entrepreneurship just brings them to the Republican Party, and the Dems know that. They're, they're shameless about the fact that they want the, they don't want those people to come here. Sad. Yeah, it, it sure is. Um, moving right along, we've saw recently that the uh, U.S. Capitol Police is looking to expand and maybe even set up some offices uh, down there in Florida. I know that kind of touched a nerve with you, as well as with a lot of other people who are, you know, currently serving the people of Florida and the United States down there. What are your feelings on that? I think it's absolutely devastating. And if the Republican Party doesn't stand up and fight and make sure this doesn't happen, then they should they really have no right to exist whatsoever because this is such a low bar and easy to meet and it's such an existential threat so let's be clear about what the capitol police is most people don't actually know um the metropolitan police is the local dc police department mm-hmm. the park service police is the police for like the various grounds of the capitol the capitol police the u.s capitol police is its own unique police department that serves basically at the discretion of a board that's appointed by Speaker of the House, the Senate President, and the other board member, the third board member, is uh, appointed by the President. So basically, you know, if you have Democrats in power, you have Pelosi in power, they're appointing their own special police service whose sole purpose is, you know, in, in their general frame to just protect the Capitol, protect the Congress and the, and the elected Congress members. That's their general purpose. But that has a very fluid definition. You can use it in many different ways. So what they want to do is um, seek out any enemies of the regime, any enemies of the democratic power structure, and try to destroy them. And they'll do it through monetary uh, – they'll do it through financial incentives. They'll basically fund this police department to go partner with state and local law enforcement off, uh, agencies throughout the country – but starting in two of the biggest states, Florida and California, mm-hmm. Texas being the other third, third, you know, second biggest state, um, and partnering with these folks to try to come up with crimes or process crimes to start punishing and arresting, mistreating and holding without bail, you know, hundreds if not thousands of Americans. And we've already seen hundreds of Americans who were not even involved with the Capitol riot questioned or detained, uh, even though they didn't nothing wrong. They just happened to be at the actual speech the president gave that day. So this is just a foothold towards a nationalized political police department that will be, like I said, nationalized and at the control of Nancy Pelosi. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's an existential threat. And it's what we, what you've seen taking place over the last couple of years, but especially in the last six months, which is the politicization of agencies and institutions that heretofore had never been politicized. The military, police, you know, police departments, this sort of thing. And we got to fight back and we got to defeat it because if not, you know, we lose every institution. The conservative movement, the American First Movement, just simply won't be able to exist. Well, 
that's 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 very true, and uh, definitely something that uh, needs to be examined a little bit more. And like you're doing <clears throat> a good job of as an elected official, you, you're you're kind of exposing it so that people understand, um, not just some yeah, of that stuff. Also, I uh, forgot to mention that. I mean, I'm bringing this up, bringing light to. It. I'm trying to get some more pressure move forward, but. More than likely, I'm not guaranteed to do it because it looks like the legislative leadership or the governor might do something. I mean, I'm hoping that he's something. If not, I'm filing a bill myself okay. to el- to eliminate the Capitol Police, basically ban them from Florida. The way you can do that, you can't just ban a person from visiting your state. But what you can do is you can make it. You can uh, ban any. You can ban them from partnering or doing anything uh, with other county cities or law enforcement agencies. So they're just cut out. They're just totally cut out of the state because they already don't really have jurisdiction for an arrest. They usually have to work through another agency. So if you just make pass a state statute that doesn't get makes it that they're not recognized, then they're just cut out and they simply won't open. They'll find other states to prey on. Unfortunately, I mean, it needs to be handled at the federal level. Federal level, we need to shut them down or basically cut away any kind of sort of purpose them having this kind of purpose. But in the meantime, the state legislature can fight back. Yeah, it kind of be interesting to see how the the Democrats would respond to you guys pulling one of those down in Florida the same way that they do in sanctuary cities. With uh, well, it would keep them from operating any official capacity. Yeah, and like keep them from becoming the Gestapo that they're you know trying to make them. But like when they refuse to work with ICE and and you know entities like that, and they're just like, oh no, you know, I know you guys want to put a detainer on this guy that's either raped and or killed people or maybe both. But uh, we're just going to let them go because we don't work with ICE. And to see it in a like positive way of the state of Florida working not with the Capitol Police in regards to, you know, collaborating with other uh, state and local law enforcement down there, I think that would be a, a good uh, way for them to kind of see what it's like to sit on the other side of the table. Um, how's your relationship with uh, Governor DeSantis down there? How, and what are some of the things that you guys are working on right now? Good. I mean, I see the governor once in a while. Obviously, he's... Uh, national figure now he's touring all around the country and all around the state so i hardly see him as much as i used to when he was my congressman but um you know he's good he's he responds to the people when issues come up uh he tries to do the right thing the problem is the legislature i'm in the minority of america first or uh just true conservative legislators that want to face down the threat of the left you got a lot of these rhino republicans that just don't want to do anything and they don't want to respond to the threats and they underestimate the left you know they would they would rather just turn the cheek towards the capitol police and say well you know i don't know if they're really that big of a threat you know that's sort of their attitude and this older boring stale sort of republican type is still the majority in the legislature so they're no help to desantis i mean when the governor comes in with a major priority and it's a big hot ticket item, you'll see, you know, on Fox News or whatever. Right. Usually he had to push that really hard to get to the legislature because the legislature is still doing ridiculous, silly bills. They're still, you know, doing, you know, just boring. They're working on really boring legislation that doesn't really um, have anything to do with the existential threats to our freedom and to the existence of the country that we're up against right now, you know, critical race theory, Yes. you know, that rose up in the middle of legislative session. The legislature did nothing to address critical race theory. Absolutely nothing. So it's just, uh, it's sad to see people, you know, sit on their hands and do nothing because they're too afraid to fight with, they don't want to be called mean names for the media. I always say the biggest, the definition of a, a rhino is a Republican that simply, 
will do whatever it takes to just avoid being called mean names by the media or the left. They just they want to be liked. It's a popularity contest for them. Yeah, and that's not outside the realms of the truth right there. That's definitely something that's pretty spot on. Um, you, you've been working a lot, doing some touring with uh, U.S. Representative Matt Gates. How's your guy's relationship? Good. He's a good friend, and he's endorsed me, and he's, uh, I think, one of the best congressmen we have. Definitely hardcore America first gets sure. it. Yeah, he sure and, is. Uh, communicate, communicates the values of the movement better than anybody in the scene. Yeah, him and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, speaking of America First candidates, are out here. They're going to be up in Orange County, California this weekend um, doing a yeah, rally. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, speaking of endorsements, someone who's been a major pivotal figure uh, for the Republican Party as a whole since the 70s, if not before, is Mr. Roger Stone. He uh, had recently endorsed you. And uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, he's endorsed me. I mean, a lot of the big America First movement figures and of yeah. course roger stone is probably at the top of that list he's the guy that convinced donald trump to run for president yes. and was anti-bush and was a sort of reformed you know liberty style um, you know america first conservative before you know that position even had a name or a title there was a way to describe it uh but he's endorsed me and a lot of those types of figures are coming in endorsing me to help me get this thing through i also got endorsed last week by <laughs> The, the uh, member of Parliament Europe that in, that uh, nominated Donald Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. So that's awesome. We got national economic nationalist populists from all around the world supporting the campaign, actually, because I think, you know, I think those types of folks also understand that strong strong nations are better than uh, you know globalism. Globalism is the real threat to everything. You know, all sovereignty of all nations and all individuals everywhere. Because the, the one world government is really the ultimate goal of the globalist movement. And they're, they're really trying to jam that down everyone's throat right now with some of the stuff. It looks like they're kind of in panic mode with some of these uh, yep. election revelations coming out over the last you know few months. But uh, I, I think as we get closer to some disposition in all of those places, we're going to see even more uh, desperate tries to uh, kind of bring us to the global centerpiece when you know we kind of have always stood well on our own for hundreds of years. Um, last thing, and I think it's, uh, one that just kind of ties in with everything in general, um, the big tech censorship and in combination with the lawsuit that, uh, President Trump kind of announced last week from Bedminster, um, talking about, you know, it was basically everything from canceling people out online for speaking out about certain things, whether it be alternative treatments to COVID or just COVID in general, origins of the virus, um, things that went on on January 6th, whether or not you, you know, like Joe Biden or what kind of ice cream he's eating this week when he's appearing somewhere. Chip. Right. Chalky, chalky chip always. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you've even had uh, Jen Psaki come out this week and kind of admit that the administration is working hand in hand to openly censor and now like monitor and restrict people on places like Facebook. Um, you know, there, there was a little apprehension from the base kind of because of some of the judges that are taking on these cases. But I think at the end of the day, when you just point out the facts and kind of make it a constitutional argument, um, it, it's something that's definitely happening. And uh, we just wanted to weigh in. I know you're always uh, on the radar of whether you're talking about anything from January 6th, the elections, AR-15s. They're always looking to kind of censor you online. So what are your feelings on that? Well, yeah, I, you know, I think they really set themselves up because if the 
government. You know, she shouldn't have said that. If I was her, she shouldn't have said that because what they did is they basically, you know, they've actually admitted that they're colluding with these woke giant corporations mm-hmm. to censor individuals. So for once, it's actually truly a First Amendment uh, violation. Usually people say, oh, my First Amendment rights are being violated by Facebook. And what they mean, they're actually right in the sense that the spirit of the First Amendment is violated. But right. the truth of the matter is, uh, the First Amendment, of course, only applies to the government. Well, what Jen Psaki did is they basically have admitted that they've been using the apparatus of technology to, to conduct government uh, censorship, you know, technology of private companies. So it's just indirect government action. So long story short, it's a violation of the First Amendment. Now, yeah. that's an aside. The truth is we need, to, we need to clamp down to make sure these private companies are treated as common carriers and never able to censor anybody at all. Aside from the First Amendment, we just need a civil law, an actual statute, an actual ordinance that that just prohibits them blankly from uh, conducting viewpoint discrimination, period. But it's funny that they're actually dumb enough to admit in an actual open meeting that they're violating now the First Amendment, which means they could be sued in court and probably lose um, with any court, especially this state Supreme Court, not or U.S. Supreme Court. So that that's how I feel about that. And it's just sad because we had all the power in the world in 2017 to 19. We had the House, the Senate, presidency, and yet we sat back and did nothing because the rhinos in the Republican Party, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, didn't think uh, you know they they loved the money they were getting from the big tech companies and didn't think that they needed to police them. And now look at the predicament we are in. Major corporations and the federal government now censoring private text messages and DMs. It's just. It's really dystopian, but it's really the fault of the Republican Party because we've allowed horrible, cowardly, rhino leadership to take take over the party for far too long. Yeah, I am going to ask you a follow up on that just because you kind of, uh, you know, let us down that road a little bit. And then, then last thing, um, Liz Harrington, who's now kind of the spokesperson for, for Trump world uh, moving forward and, and towards whatever we're going to have and whether or not it's going to be you know, a final disposition on the 2020 presidential election or heading into primary season uh, next year and then up to the 2024 campaign uh, has really alluded to that this could be one of the most interesting primary seasons in the history of the Republican Party. There is definitely a line being drawn between the Washington establishment, and we're not talking about the Democrats for once. We're talking about people in Washington, like you said, who like to get on TV, who are in the pockets of lobbyists, who don't want to get called bad names. And now you have the America First movement, which you kind of saw be born five or six years ago. But now these candidates are really not only coming out, but because of the position that Donald Trump is in, having the opportunity to really sit back, meet with them, vet them, and then endorse them, support them. Um, what do you think going into, I mean, you're obviously going to be a part of the the midterms next year as you're running for, you know, a house seat out of Florida. Um the America first movement really kind of taking over and maybe taking back the Republican party for the people that it's supposed to be representing. I think uh, we're in a really good position. You know, I, I gripe a lot about what the party's doing, but I am very optimistic about the future of the party. I see a lot of really candidates, uh, running in either primaries or open seats at the House and Senate level, right. this cycle that they don't just believe in outdated, 
stronger, more robust America First type of conservatism. And I'm thinking about candidates like Joe Kent mm-hmm. out in Washington State or J.D. Vance Senate in Ohio. Uh, this new guy is going to be running against uh, Mark, what's his name, the Democrat that won in Arizona last year after, I think, something along those lines. Um, there's some really good candidates I'm watching coast to coast right now, and they're all pretty interesting. So um, I feel very good. I'm a lot more optimistic than I used to be. And uh, my own campaign is a good example of that. I mean, I'm. Sure is. You know, years ago, I would have been fighting the establishment, but right now I'm the front runner in my race. And, uh, you know, and the American First message of true conservatism, fighting for American sovereignty is doing quite well in the polls. So we're polling first, fundraising first, and getting a lot of traction. So I feel good. I think I think we got some good positive days ahead. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, before we let you go, we want to direct <clears throat> not just our uh, – local traffic over there in Florida, but anyone who kind of just has any interest in you now that you've been on the show and kind of let everybody know what you're all about, why don't you uh, let our listenership know where they can find you on your website for your campaign, your social media accounts, and things like that? Sure. Uh, well, my social media is very easy to find. It's always my name. So whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, or anything, it's Anthony Sabatini, S.A. person come up in most cases. Uh, my website is Vote for Sabatini. I'm sorry, I have two, actually. So Sabatini for Congress is the one I use for Congress. And uh, everything's on there. So if they want to support me or find my other social media pages, it's all on sabatiniforcongress.com. And, uh, or they can just always call me. I always tell people, since the beginning I've been in politics, I always just get my cell phone number out. So it's 352-455. Two nine two eight. So feel free to call me or text me anytime nice. if they have any questions about the campaign or what's going on. So and I always say, people, if a candidate's not willing to give his cell phone out to to the public, then honestly, you probably shouldn't uh, think about voting for that person because you're not going to you're, you're definitely not going to get their number <laughs> once they're in office. So right. you should have it before and after. So, nice. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, reach out. I'd have to, I'd have to admit and confirm that since you know we've connected a little over a month ago, you you immediately gave us your number and you've been extremely accessible as someone I would just text or call on on almost a normal basis. Um, sir, we uh, really appreciate you taking out the time to come back. Um, moving forward and heading towards you know midterm season, we'd love to have you on closer to then, not before you get super busy, but kind of right before you hit that. Uh, big home stretch there um and uh yeah we're really appreciative of you taking the time out to come on the show with us today and and kind of give everybody some insight on what you're all about and uh you know we we continue to wish you the best of luck and support absolutely count me in i'll be back on the show and thanks for what you're doing and enjoy the weekend with matt gates and mtg that's it yep that's florida state representative out of district 32 and current u.s congressional candidate out of florida seven Anthony Sabatini, thanks for coming on the Steak for Breakfast podcast. All right. Well, that was awesome. We really appreciate Representative Sabatini coming on the show with us today. But without further ado, let us introduce to our listening audience in his first podcast appearance ever and on the Steak for Breakfast podcast, the Daily Breb, Mr. Breb. Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. How y'all doing? We're we're doing great. Currently sweating profusely, but other than that, great. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty hot out here in San Diego recently. We've had some real bad humidity out here. Uh, I know everybody in the deep south always says that it's bad, but we've been hovering in the high 80s for like the last three weeks because of all, all the hurricanes Which probably on. doesn't seem bad for most people, but we're not used to sweating as soon as you walk out of the house. It's hot. Oh, it's it's been hot down here every day. Every day. Where are you operating out of? Well, I'm in Houston right now seeing my sister, but I'm usually in... Uh, in Louisiana, so it stays hot over it's there. Always, I like it. Stay steamy, <laughs> always steamy. All right, well, welcome to the show. We've got a uh, action-packed episode here. Um, we just had Representative Anthony Sabatini out of uh, Florida District 32. He's extra fucking based, and we'll prove it later in the uh, episode because I've pulled a couple of his most recent tweets, and. Uh, Nice. Yeah, you talk about everything from executing Cuban communists to absolutely hating Dr. Fauci. He's tweeted it in the last 72 hours. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. So we didn't have to watch our colorful language on this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to cover. And I think for starters, the fallout from last week's Maricopa audit update. Um, the press conference was held live on TV. It was streamed on all of the non-YouTube channels in addition to Bright Side, America's Voice, and OAN. Um, and we've gotten some pretty shocking revelations out of just the initial audit results. I know we've all uh, probably seen it up on social media over the last uh, couple days, but there's just some stuff coming out of there that are uh, making it seem like the rumors that have been going around about the audit are going to be true and maybe even worse than we first thought so Breb, i know this is one of the things that you cover a lot on your account you know stop the steal is something that concerns everybody in our community um what did you feel after seeing some of the things that came out of that uh you know initial audit hearing well uh i kind of felt like especially like the rumors that had come out like before about it being up to like you know what was it like 254k is like what the rumors were yep. that christina bob and sydney powell had uh i kind of feel like that's going to turn out to be true as well as maybe even more than that and uh just from what what was reported you know that came out of arizona was was uh pretty damning in itself just so. yeah let's listen to some of the audio real quick um from uh the person who was presiding over the hearing and that uh, state representative fan, she's kind of like the president of the audit here. And let's hear what she had to say. We told you as well um, in the very beginning is this is not about Trump. This is not about overturning the election. This has never been about anything other than election integrity. No, it's not. It, this is the, the epitome of what America stands for. And if we do not have faith and confidence in our electoral process, then everything we do in life um, is, is jeopardized. There was a poll that was recently done that 45% of people in Arizona, according to that poll, believe that we have serious problems with our elections. Oof. Whether that is true or not, whether they are rumors, unfound um, accusations, or legitimate problems for whatever reason, as a Senate body, we felt that it was our obligation and our duty to answer our voters, our constituents answer those questions and either confirm what they were afraid of or, or thought or heard 
or that we prove that those things were not true so that they could go back to the polls and they could vote with confidence knowing that their ballot is sacred. Um, I just wanted to make sure that everybody is fully aware that this is all this is about is an election integrity. And are we following the rules? Are we following the procedures? Have we done everything we possibly can to make sure these are fair, clean, honest elections? If we do find anything, uh, not us, but you as a vendor, if you do find anything um, of whether uh, we can pass laws that would help ensure that we have more integrity in the future, if our procedures perhaps are lacking in some way, this is a great opportunity to, for us to be able to say, let's fix that, because that's what the Senate body does. We pass laws. We have accomplished this because the Constitution gives us the right to subpoena information for the purpose of passing laws and with that information gives us the tools to be able to either tweak existing legislation or, or create new legislation to make sure that the sanctity is always there. So there's that. I mean that's pretty uh, powerful testimony from the uh, presiding state senator that um, was kind of looking at the audits. That coincided with some numbers that came out of that um, initial hearing and, and that kind of goes with uh and i'll just read a couple of them off the cusp 70 percent more mail-in ballots received than requested Ten thousand voters added to the rolls after election day that cast a ballot in 2020 election servers was hacked during the election remote access was available all access logs wiped in march of 2021 original and duplicate ballots were not marked and could not be verified and the number of votes certified does not match the number of ballots sent to the audit. And that's in addition to um, the auditors, and we'll get to that in a second, talking about how there was eight administrators who could access all of the voting machines. Those eight administrators used one common password. And from the week leading up to the election uh, till about a month afterwards, those eight people using one common password tried to access those voting machines and tabulation devices 37,000 times. Wow. So, yeah, it's just some of the stuff, you know, you, you can't make it up, uh, even though you wish it was. It sounds kind of like a bad dream. Unfortunately, it's the reality that we're living in right now, and it's why we're in the current situation that we're in. And I'm not just talking about $5 cartons of eggs and $6 a gallon gasoline out here. And, <laughs> In San Diego, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, the the election was rigged and stolen. I mean, it's becoming more and more true every day. Um, and we're using hard evidence. And we have every state you could possibly imagine jumping in on this. Um, after hearing that, Breb, what do you think? Uh, you know, she's, she's, she's kind of a firecracker. She's not Kelly Ward. She's not uh, Senator Wendy Rogers out there, but she still seems like, uh, you know, if, if she was a grandma and you were talking about how she was dealing with her grandkids, she'd probably wield a pretty mean wooden spoon. Yeah. So. And I think, I think she's just trying to keep it. I think she's just trying to be as professional as she can be about it. Cause she knows like what we're, you know, what she's talking about, like what she's dealing with. But I think that, you know, she's, um, She's going to she'll be the one to like like she's trying to be professional about the way she's talking like about it. But I think she's ready to roll. Oh, like yeah. She knows. I know one person who's getting pretty, uh, pretty impatient about the stuff going on in Maricopa. Uh, and that's probably Donald Trump. He put out one of his 
from the office of Donald Trump tweet statements shortly thereafter the the conference and over the weekend, and I'm going to read it right now. Um, Fox News and other media outlets incorrectly side with the outdated and terrible Maricopa County Election Board to report no fraud found in the presidential election. They spew the gross misinformation purposely and put put out by the county and the Associated Press and, all caps, ignore the very important Arizona Senate hearing yesterday, which shows 168,000 fraudulent ballots printed on illegal paper, in parentheses, unofficial ballots, 74,000 mail-in ballots received that were never mailed, in parentheses, magically appearing ballots, 11,000 voters were added to the rolls, all caps, after the election and still voted, and the access logs to the press and ignored the very important Arizona Senate's hearing yesterday, which showed 168,000, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he kind of goes on. He said, and just like, Nick, you're probably feeling right now and usually do when it comes to Stop the Steal because you always ask where Rudy Giuliani is. <laughs> I'm <laughs> quoting now. I've heard enough. It's time to decertify this election, Senator Ke- Kelly Townsend said. This fraud was so bad, I want to see indictments. Senator Sonny Burrell says, I've seen enough evidence to challenge the validity of the certification of the Maricopa County election results. Arizona shows fraud and voting irregularities many times more than would be needed to change the outcome of the election in that state. You do have to give the Democrats some sort of credit. I mean, they went all in on this one. <clears throat> no, and they didn't. It, was, it wasn't a last-minute, last-ditch effort. Like, this thing had been calculated, I, I believe, since Trump got put in office. Yep. <clears throat> and you look at... You know, we can go deep down the rabbit hole, which we try not to do too much on the show, but you look at... We sure do. I mean, they ha- this is not the first time the left has tried to push for mail-in ballots. Right. It's not like a brand new thing. They've been conditioning people. I mean, you look back, I don't even think... I think Trump just landed in this timeline at the time that was convenient for them. Mm-hmm. I think they were setting this up to be able to pull the trigger on this operation whether Biden was in office, oh, we were supposed whether to be in anybody, the, you know the, what I mean? The 16 years of Hillary that would order in the 2030 yeah. agenda. So you look at, well, yeah. you just look at the illegal immigration and the rampant, the rampantness of now. I mean, since I've been an adult, even a young adult in the high school, there was a hot topic of bringing yeah. people in and that coinciding with no voter ID, mail-in ballots. Like this is a recipe. It's a formula they've orchestrated then controlling the media and censorship, like their plan has unfolded probably to the best they could pull it off. Um, but you, you got to give them credit at some point to go, yeah, that was a good shot. I mean, you guys definitely had a lot of players in the game and, and pulled it off better than probably any other organization could have. But, you know, we hope and pray that this thing comes to light and that the people would wake up because that's the big A lot thing of people is, are waking up. Yeah, and that's, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that there's not so many people in the middle anymore. You know, there's people that whole lives have just kind of floated through the political realm and not really got involved. And mm-hmm. now I think everyone's kind of picked a side. A lot of people aren't so neutral anymore. I mean, there's probably still a good population, but there's probably been more of a dichotomy between political views in our generation, for sure, in a long time of people saying, I don't know, like, I don't maybe necessarily like Trump, but this election does seem super rigged. I'm not the biggest fan of Biden anymore. And whether people are outspoken on social media or not that's usually what we kind of gauge um where the people stand but i think a lot of people are so over the drama and all this just nightmarish kind of operation going on that 
people maybe aren't posting about it anymore. They're not super involved anymore. We're but, posting about it all the time. Yeah, and I'm talking about the people that have been in the middle for years. The ones that just want to start taking pictures of their dinners again out yeah. of Chili's. But when you talk to them, probably when there's no one around, I'm sure they'll sit down and go, do you believe this guy really won the election? They'd probably honestly tell you, mm, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, there's that meme going around of Chris Pratt that contradicts the current administration's door-to-door knocking to see if you'd like information on the vaccine and he said what we really should be doing is going knocking door-to-door and asking if you really think joe biden won the election (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i mean and that's just the fact of the matter i want to give this a little bit more context we have some of the actual auditor administrators who performed well last week uh giving some testimony to uh um senator fan up in uh maricopa let's hear what they had to say 1112, for anybody that wants to go back and watch the testimony on this, he said that 37,000 queries for logins happened in one day. That is that is off the charts as far as uh, internet traffic into that system. Well, why were they doing that? Because the system was set at five megabytes, and, and basically it means every time there's a query that comes in new, the oldest query drops off. That's a nefarious, that's evidence, I believe, of a nefarious actor trying to eliminate evidence that goes all the way back to Election Day. Because now... Because, because also, also that was after the subpoena, too, right? You, had the, you already subpoenaed yes. Maricopa County for all this, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm also told, and this is just coming in, that apparently there's video on the Maricopa County uh, Tabulation Center... And after the hearing today, they're moving printers out of storage and into an area. It looks like they're staging them to remove them from the building. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our... That, that was uh, an excerpt from Steve Bannon's War Room, who was covering that live as well. We're going to take our weekly poll. I'm going to weigh in first. Steve Bannon is not Q. Me, he is not. Nick? I said it last week. I am I am Q. Oh, okay. Breb? What is... Is banning Q? Yeah. Absolutely not. Okay, there we go. Absolutely so, so, so Nick's Q, you're a no, and I'm a no. <laughs> Norbin Laden also said she was Q, and she was on the show, but she was laughing when she was said it anyway. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a little bit better than being Q. Um, yeah. So there's just a little bit of more substance to it when they're talking about how many people tried to get into these machines and why would they be doing that leading up to the election and then the weeks after when some of the voter roll and tabulation numbers changed. Do you think there'd be more of an uproar if like American Idol was hacked this bad? I feel like <laughs> the middle ground America would be like, we gotta get to the bottom of this. If there was like some voting show, like The Bachelor or whatever people are into, mm-hmm. and if that was like clearly stolen, people would probably show more effort to out that than they do right now with the election results being clearly stolen in front of our face. No, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, and, and it might take something like that. You see Paris Hilton and Britney Spears kind of bleeding back into the mainstream narrative. You have people, mm-hmm. well, you, you have people on, on, on Capitol Hill, everybody from Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who are kind of in our neck of the woods, but all the way up through like Ted Cruz, even piece of shit Lindsey Graham has weighed in on it on Free and Britney, and, and then you got Paris Hilton looking like she's getting ready to be right underneath her as in far that hot red pill injection that's coming. And, uh, you know, maybe you are onto something, Nick. You always kind of corroborate these pop stars and trash TV shows as something that needs to happen that affects the people who are, like, mm-hmm. below the people who are with us but above the people who are retarded. Who are brainwashed. Yeah, who, yeah. Are, com- who are just complete <coughs> idiots. And um, 
there was somebody else who weighed in, and she's Donald Trump's new handler, and, and that's good old uh, Liz. She went and did the uh, cable news circuit shortly thereafter, the Maricopa results, and through the weekend. I want to play a little bit of audio of her because she was definitely fired up like no other. can't access information before February 5th. I mean, how could you seriously tell someone to their face that this whole fraud theory is not even worth looking into? It's almost like, you know, the more we find out, the more we find out that we don't know. And what do they have to hide? I mean, now you know why they sent 100 lawyers to Maricopa to try to block this audit and been stonewalling for months. They're still hiding the passwords. They're hiding the routers. And this is exactly why. This is corruption. This hearing yesterday was devastating to the illegitimate Biden regime. Mm -hmm. It shows that Arizona should not have been certified. It certainly should not have been called for Joe Biden on election night. You're talking about a race that was ultimately decided by 10,457 votes. There's over 11,000 votes, people that voted, who weren't on the registration rolls on November 7th, but then suddenly appeared on December in December. Sounds kind of fishy. You have 74,000 mail-in ballots, but there's no record that they were ever sent. This is a sham. And then, of course, you have the questions about the election system. You know, if that sounds familiar, incorrect password multiple times to wipe data, it's exactly what they did in the Mueller investigation with yep. Andrew Weissman, putting the wrong code into his iPhone, whoops, and then suddenly it was wiped. This is corrupt. Hmm. The people are not going to stand for it, but the patriots are not going to stop in pursuing the truth and exposing the fraud that was the 2020 presidential election. I kind of like her. He's, he, I think he's got a little bit of an upgrade. But what do you, what do you think of Liz Harrington? Uh, I remember when I, when I first heard that that was his new like spokesperson. I followed her, and she's been fired up ever since. Like I had never heard of her before then, but uh, she's been really on it, and I like the way she, um, you know, she posts a statement and then writes them out, and she's writes out all the all the fraud that's reported, and she does a good job of uh, getting it out there. Then I've really liked her on the. Um, when she goes on these shows and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, Donald Trump kind of took a two-pronged attack in response to her, which was in response to the audit hearing. Um, the first one is a statement, but the second one is even a bigger statement in a different way, shape, and form. First one reads, Why won't, all caps, RHINO, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors in Arizona give up the routers? What are they trying to hide? Everything. They are fighting for life or death. What's going on? Give up the routers. Doesn't this mean that the voting was, despite their statements and to the contrary, connected to the Internet? The voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election was monumental, and the facts are coming out daily. So we kind of sat on that through the weekend. There were a couple events going on. And late last night, decided to release a statement that said, on July 24th, in Phoenix, Arizona, in the heart of Maricopa County, <laughs> He will be holding a Trump rally. So apparently Papa has run out of patience because we've pointed it out for the last however long this Maricopa audit's been going on. Donald Trump is like physically and literally separating himself from this. He's not putting his name on it. He's not saying that he's in control of it. He's not saying that the people that are doing the work are answering to him. But he knows that there's so much red tape that the County Board of Supervisors is putting up in between finishing this audit and getting the real results that he's going to literally go there 
a place that had a 100-mile car rally the day before the presidential election <laughs> in a county where he supposedly lost and hold one of his Trump bangers down there. I so, totally forgot about that. Yeah, it looks like it's getting ready to party like it's 2016 again. So uh, it's going to be pretty epic, I think, in, in Maricopa County. And it'll be the first day of the full moon. So all the real winners will be out oh. for that event. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be pretty awesome. I can't wait to uh, watch it this weekend. So, you know, wrapping up uh, Arizona, State Senator Wendy Rogers put out a statement over the weekend that said she's had enough. She wants the electors that were awarded to Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election recalled. She said they have the votes to do it. And she said at the least, even if they don't flip the electors, she's like, do the fucking election over again. I don't care if we have to use paper ballots. I mean, there's so much other stuff that we're not covering that was in that thing. Um, They had software and antivirus software. You only have antivirus software in machines unless it's connected to the Internet. That was installed and not updated since 2019. They had four different kinds of paper that were voted on and paid for by the County Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County and throughout the state of Arizona. And those were, believe it or not, they make bleed-proof papers. and then they were holding up examples of, of actual ballots that were used in the election were, that showed, and this connects another rumor, of Sharpie Gate, people in Arizona, <laughs> after they called the election on Fox News, who were still waiting in line, saying that when they were coming out, people were giving them Sharpies instead of pens to fill out their ballots, and how uh, paper that wasn't authorized to be used in the election was used by simply holding up a ballot and seeing that uh, you know the Sharpies that they gave them on the paper that they weren't supposed to be voting on bled had bled all the way through, which would fuck it up when it goes through the tabulation machine. In addition, there was another part where they were kind of doing um, a segment of the audit, uh, how far they are so far results, where there was a computer screen and there was like two targets. Mm-hmm. Okay, they, they look like crosshairs. And just imagine, like, right outside the center of the crosshair, like in the, you know, one of the top, let's just say the top right quadrant, and there was a dot there. And they would say, in any other election, that is the margin of error for signature verification and for dot verification that the machines are set to. Mm-hmm. And they, then they showed the ones that were actually used in Maricopa County and throughout Arizona in the election. The fucking dot was outside of the crosshairs. So they had turned it up like just as high as a PCR test <laughs> and said, why don't you guys go vote with Sharpies instead of pens and we'll just play it from there. So it, it's just like a disaster from head to toe. I, I wish I could say it's worse than Georgia, but it's not. But it also looks really bad. And the County Board of Supervisors are still holding on to the Internet passwords, the domain names, the tabulation devices, all which will show where the traffic came from, when the traffic was in and out. Was it hooked up to the Internet, and what did they do or not to change the voter rolls? So that's where we're at in Arizona right now. I think they have, like, a few more days, maybe by next Tuesday, to, before they start issuing subpoenas again. And yeah, one, didn't, Go ahead. My bad. I was just going to say, didn't, didn't Lindell said the routers were, like, everything because that'll show exactly, you know, all the evidence that he has of the with the packets of when the IP addresses came in and yep. when they came out and exactly where they were from and – It'll prove his uh, his, his theory. That he has. Right. The packet the packet captures. Um, yeah, he, he's going to be doing that in his um, audit symposium, which he's going to be holding August tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. And uh, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen there. We do have to move on though to Georgia, um, which is another hot mess and absolutely out of control. Um, you know, they uh, have been really 
heating up there. We've got, I think, three different lawsuits that encompass at least uh, four different counties. And, you know, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners chairman calls for all Georgia counties to have forensic audit ballots. And this is Mr. Rob Pitts. And in January, he insisted, along with Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp, that this was the safest and most secure election in the history of the universe. Now is calling, after all this stuff is coming out, probably trying to save his own ass, even though he's elderly and probably wouldn't serve any jail time, um, for a full forensic audit of all counties, even though we probably won't get that. We're just hoping to get it in the majors, uh, mostly including Fulton. Um, it says Fulton County election workers are now famous for removing GOP observers on election night and rolling out hidden air quotes suitcases of ballots to begin counting and putting them through the machines multiple times. There is also video first reported uh, by the Gateway Pundit, who I'm reading from, of election workers running the same stacks of ballots through the vo voting machines over and over and over again while no election observers were in the room and after everyone was sent home. Um, after this stuff was kind of demonized on election night and up through November 7th, it's now come back into the news narrative. We know that all three of the people who were in the room and running the ballots through those machines have been subpoenaed, in addition to Twitter, where they live stream some of the stuff and put it in their stories about how they were saving the republic by doing that, um, are all going to wind up in court and in front of Judge Amaro sooner or later. So... In the long run, this is pretty much good news for people who are looking to get to the truth and the bottom of it. It's good to see someone who was staunchly against it back in November and up through January now kind of coming to their senses or just looking to save their own ass. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to... Uh, take it for what it is the speaker of the georgia house also demanded an investigation into just fulton county and that's in regards to election uh irregularities david ralston who is the speaker of the house for the state of georgia um wants the georgia bureau of investigations if any irregularities or willful fraud occurred um to get to the bottom of it <clears throat> in georgia's biggest metropolis because fulton county encompasses atlanta uh, Georgia Speaker of the House is demanding now an investigation to determine if any irregularities of willful fraud occurred in the state's largest areas, including Atlanta, last November, saying that recent revelations, and basically what that is, is Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger backwalking all of the talk that he did up through lying um, about the phone call from Donald Trump to the Washington Post all the way through safest and secure election bullshit and then with Brian Kemp certifying those electors which they sent on to Washington DC on uh, January 6th saying that the recent revelations about problems with the vote counting in Fulton County merits an independent probe so cue the cyber ninjas there um, we also have an independent voter integrity group called Voter GA. They say evidence of indicating multiple Georgia counties may have even more election fraud than Fulton. And this is from uh, our good friend Tom Pappert over at the National File. Uh, they announced yesterday that it has evidence election result discrepancies in other Georgia counties may be worse than those presented in Fulton County. In a statement released Tuesday, which is this morning, an election integrity nonprofit organization, Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia, or v Voter GA, released a statement Monday late claiming that evidence shows that the rate of election discrepancies may be even higher in other Georgia counties outside of Fulton. 
Um, voter GA showcased a trove of evidence indicating that the error reporting in right in Fulton County was a staggering 60%. And that's when you're talking about the 100,000 getting purged off the voter rolls. You're talking about um, the chain of custody forms that just didn't exist, this, that, and the other thing. Um, speaking of chain of custody, uh, it, it's pretty funny. We learned recently what those FOIA requests are. And we found out that um, some of those requests were just met um, after a FOIA request in regards to, uh, you know, finding out the uh, actual numbers for the missing chain of custodies in uh, Georgia. So it wasn't until a FOIA request for those documents were requested um, that we found out how much of uh, a mess was going on down in Fulton County. And the numbers there are pretty staggering. So I just want everybody to kind of keep in mind that, uh, you know, th this is a lot of moving parts. Um, and, you know, I think Georgia, for the most part, is going to be the next, uh, even before Pennsylvania. Um, someone who shared our work recently, um, former um, New York City police of chief, uh, chief of police, Bernard Carrick, issued a statement. And this was in regards to someone who we were just throwing under the bus, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, who issued this statement. Fulton County's continued failures have gone on long enough with no accountability. Rick Barron and Ralph Jones, Fulton's registration chief, must be fired and removed from Fulton County's elections leadership immediately. Fulton's voters and the people of Georgia deserve better. Do you see any lies there? Does it make you mad? It made Bernard mad. <laughs> Brad, you're going to like this one. Actual tweet from Bernard Carrick, and I'm quoting. Exclamation point at the end of the first sentence. You piece of shit. You denounced <laughs> President Trump's claim and told the media and Georgonians it was a perfect election. You knew about the corruption and the failures on November 7th, and you did absolutely nothing about it. You and at Governor Kemp should resign immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always fired up. He's always fired up. You, you can't hate it when the former police of chief or chief of police in New York calls you a piece of shit on Twitter. So, oh yeah. Yeah, he, he he's definitely going to probably be receiving a call from the base department at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on to Michigan, um, and we and we do have some news breaking out of there. Um, let's see what we got from Michigan. So over the weekend, intelligence captain Seth Keschel reported that Trump's margin of victory in Michigan was a staggering 7.5 percentage points. Earlier yesterday, and on Steve Bannon, not Q, war room, uh, <laughs> Professor David C. Clements from New Mexico State, a statistician, and retired Army intelligence captain and former baseball analyst Seth Keschel came on to discuss the latest analysis on the 2020 election as they're breaking it down. Keschel dropped a bomb on the war room, figuratively. According to Seth, President Trump won Pennsylvania by between 6 and 8% in 2020. He said that the uh, Michigan election results put Biden at 2.8 million, 50.6%, 50 and Trump at 2.6 million and change at 47.8%. Michigan tracks PA in terms of voter tendencies. Since 2008, declining Democratic participation and increasing Republicans under Trump. Obama lost 
303,000 in 2012, Clinton another 296,000 after that in 2016. Trump gained 370,000 amidst this coalition of shifting and shrinking, only to be lapped by Biden by an overwhelming 535,000 after no new net positive Dem voters added to the rolls in 12 years. So let me just break that down. You know, Barack Obama lost Democrats in 2012. Hillary Clinton lost Democrats in 2016. Donald Trump regained almost 400,000 in 2016. And now they're going to say from that bump, Joe Biden lapped all three of them for almost 600,000 new Democrat votes, even though the, the Republicans are beating them in Michigan 21 to 1 in new registered voters. So where does that math make sense? This kind of circles back to Joe Von Pulitzer talking about how there was a one in one quadrillion chance <laughs> that Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. So, I mean, those numbers are just astronomical. Um it continues to read, as a general rule, states and population decline with a massive coalition shift, in parentheses, party shifting, going on and not going to show massive gains for both sides. The county in Michigan all track with Pennsylvania counties. Not one clean county here. An easy Trump win, as they saw it, on an average of 11 to 3 in progress. And then it kind of goes on to explain how a graph is. But but the numbers that I explained just, just there in the beginning was uh, you know, pretty much all you need to know. If the Republicans are registering new voters at a 21 to 1 ratio and Donald Trump added almost 600,000 votes in 2016, or I'm sorry, almost 500,000 votes because it was 470 plus, you're going to tell me that Joe Biden added with losing 20 to 1 in in new voters registered. And after Donald Trump increased it by almost 500,000, Joe Biden's going to go and get over 600,000 to beat him by the two percentage points in the state. Probably not. No, makes zero sense. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's that's a big fat negative from I think everybody in the room. <laughs> um, our good friend and now running for state representative Matthew DiPerno had some weighing in to do on that, and uh, he came and uh, brought some legal paperwork out today uh, from the offices of DiPerno PLLC. And it's calling for the demand and preservation of documents, amongst other things, in Michigan. And he basically put out a an, an, an press release that was a paraphrasing of the legal document that they sent to the Michigan Senate, which says, you know, you must immediately advise all county and precinct clerks of this letter and comments by providing copies to them so they, that they are aware of the cooperation of destructive actions may subject them to liability under federal and state laws, including but not limited to, and then it goes into some codes. Basically what he was requesting was, you're seeing what's going on in Arizona. Before we even get into an audit in Georgia, you have all of these chains of custody, you have voter rolls being purged, you have Fulton County under the microscope, but then other people in Georgia saying, you know, it looks pretty bad there, but I think my county was actually more fucked up than Fulton. (laughs) He's trying to get ahead of the curve in Michigan to where you can have people start getting into these machines, um, providing fake uh, chain of custodies, uh, like we saw in Georgia where, you know, these requests for chain of custodies were requested, and until a FOIA request was made, they weren't produced. So they said, oh, yeah, we have them. They're basically new, but they're of all the numbers. So he, he kind of got ahead of the legal curve right there in regards to, um, you know, trying to uh, stop them from doing anything that would kind of damage, um, you know, the voter integrity in Michigan before they can get to an audit there, which is 
which is being held up in court right now. But Michigan's not really that important. I think between Pennsylvania and uh, Georgia combined with Arizona should be just enough to prove that not only was it not the most safest and secure election in the history of the world, but there was widespread voter fraud. And the numbers are starting to reflect the same things that they almost mirror each other in these three states. Breb, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I definitely think that, um, you know, just those three states can get it done. And um, they're definitely holding it up in Michigan. But like you said, I don't think we'll we'll even need that, but we'll get to it. But just those three states, you know, we got enough there. Yeah, I I definitely think it's it's rolling forward. Um, Some someone who we didn't expect to enter the chat. Uh, just like Rachel Maddow melted down on our show last week talking about Oklahoma, where Donald Trump won all 77 counties <laughs> at a ratio of almost 7 to 1 overall in the state, but they're still ordering a full forensic audit just to see if Dominion and Smartmatic shaved points off the top. Um, Representative Steve Toth from Texas files a bill in the state Senate for forensic audit in the top three, or the, I'm sorry, the top 13 population counties in Texas. It looks like Texas. And this is this is what might save Greg Abbott his job because I mean he hasn't really, you know, been holding the line all that much. He he shows face. He kind of looks like he wants to wheel up the ramp and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he's just kind of a softy, um, yeah. you know. And, and it's one of those things. So it, it's interesting to see Texas kind of jumping in the fray. I like it. I think we need more states like it. You know, Oklahoma and Texas would be two states that Donald Trump walked away from. A lot of people are wondering why Ron DeSantis hasn't jumped into that conversation yet. It seems like he seems to be preoccupying himself with things like CRT and, you know, a lot of the people who are crossing the southwest border now getting shipped yeah. to Texas or er, to Florida. To be a governor right. in the midst of all the stuff he's dealing with with the election results and all that. But if we're just going to dogpile on, we might as well go for it, right? I mean, we're only this is it one chance. Breb, you kind of agree with that that this is the one and only chance to figure out if it's always been this way? Yeah, and I kind of feel like, you know, that it would be easy for DeSantis to, you know, to bring up the the you know the election but he does he doesn't even talk about like you know election fraud anywhere or election evidence anywhere let alone like asking for a forensic audit so to me i mean i'd like to see him do that i'm glad he's doing everything he's doing for floridians but same he's got such a big stage and he's got he's so well respected in the party that it's like it'd be nice to see him talk about election fraud yeah, we have so many of the, of the of the minor role players, the Matt Gateses, you know, the, the Rand Pauls. Rand Paul is still the only senator who has gone on the record and saying he knows something happened in this election. They have they have baited him on show after show, podcast after podcast, to just admit. And they would tell him, Rand, really? You think the election was stolen in the United States? And he'd be like, well, you know, there was definitely some irregularities and things we need to look into that we haven't looked into yet, like <laughs> Rand Paul does, right before his eyes energize up. Um, (laughs) Speaking of things that are activated, Mike Lindell is always that. He Um, stays on. He sure does. I got to see him in person, and we're going to hear some exclusive never-before-heard audio before. But before we do, he appeared on War Room over the weekend. And we're going to play you a teaser excerpt that leads you into never-before-heard Mike Lindell on the state of California and what he knows about the election results here. Here's the pre-teaser. So 
Now, all of them there, what I want is we're going to we're going to have groups. You'll have uh, about a couple things going on. We're going to have all the election running over here with it came right off of the computer, the site, the packet captures. We're going to have mock elections to show you what a packet capture is. But more importantly, you're going to be able to go there. And these guys, if they're, let's say it's a senator from Arizona, he'll go, okay, what happened in Maricopa County? He, turn the dial, boom, it shows you exactly what the count was. We, and uh, you go to the whole state, it shows you exactly what the count was. You'll even be able to see if he really won California or not. I'll keep that one a little secret. Well, there you go. He kind of led into it. Um, that was going into the weekend. Over the weekend, we were participants in the Clay Clark Reawaken America Tour stop in Anaheim. Uh, we had an absolutely great time, and I think one of the best times that I had there was getting to hear not Big Mike, but Big Mike Lindell, <laughs> or as we were calling him over the weekend, Joey Pillows. Um, Joey Pillows. Yeah, just just kind of go up there and do his thing. And let me tell you something. You see him on the commercials. You see him if, you, if you're you know in our community and you go and see the polls from War Room or whatever show he appears on. In real life, it's the exact same thing. This was my experience of seeing him like as close to I am as my podcasting partner, Nick. He walks up the stairs. We're, we're approximately 10 feet away from the, from the entrance. He misses the top step and like does the foot slam because he missed it. So he goes down almost to a knee. <laughs> then he comes up the stairs, oversized jacket that doesn't match the rest of his outfit. Okay, hair disheveled, all sweaty, <laughs> bends down to tie his shoes. I'm like leaning over the table. We make eye contact, and I just like wave at him, and he just kind of gives me like a head nod. He gets up, he runs his head, you know, his hand <laughs> through his hair, and he slips into the One America room. We did go down and hear him talk. We got really close and, and have some good audio where he kind of alludes to the California audience, just what he knows pre-Cyber Symponium, August 10, 11, and 12, what he knows about California. Let's hear it. They got some explaining to do to the American people. You know, you go to Arizona, but they're trying, the evidence is already there. These people have explaining to do. Why did they obstruct? Why did they try and stop you all from seeing the evidence? You know, we understand why Dominion and Smartmatic obstructed because they were part of it. Were these guys either part of it or, or what? That's what we need to know. And these will be the aftermath. We're going to, and I will tell you, there are things that have to happen when we're. All, all, it's going to be a great uniting of our country. Black, white, Democrats, Republicans, everybody. It's going to be the biggest, the biggest uniting in history. And we will, as a people, we elect politicians for the people. Well, we've gotten away with that for 50 years. I don't care which party it was. And we've gotten away from that. Now we know. I know I got thrown into this political thing. Uh, back in the summer of 2016, when Donald Trump invited me to meet him in a private meeting. Since that day, I'm going, wow, politics affects everything we do, every single thing. And I'll tell you, if you go to, I'll bring you to a happy spot of December of 2019. It was Merry Christmas. All of us have got, it was great. Everybody was uh, um, celebrating, uh, economy was at all-time high, consumer confidence, entrepreneurs were pursuing the American dream because they had a safety net of a job. People went out with no fear. It was amazing. Uh, but they certainly weren't looking for a praying about it. They were looking for God because things were so great. But to get us to that point, we got there by political decisions, even if you didn't like Donald Trump. Decisions were made. He has a gift of 
problem, solution, and what will they manifest to? That's what our politics, to help all people, not just some people, okay? Not just some people. So he kind of let in with that and then rounded it up. Now that he's got the audience baited, didn't make it about Donald Trump, made it more about the country, didn't make it about Mike Lindell, made it about him feeling compelled and called because of the opportunities that he had been given to do whatever he can, whether it's money, whether it's speak at these events, whether it's go on TV, whether it's give you the comfiest night's sleep you've ever had before he gives you the actual digs on what he thinks is California. Answer, this is gonna be a subjective answer, but it's the best answer I can give you. If you take the machines, if you take that that fraud out of the picture, he still loses by a little bit, but, I call it, that's the machine fraud, that's the cyber attack. Now there was something I call the organic theft. This is what Donald Trump wins all those other swing states on anyway. That's dead people voting, illegals voting, non-residents voting, uh, minors voting, people with seven ballots voting. That's the organic (laughs) theft, okay? If you add that into California, I believe Donald Trump won the state of California. So one of the things he alluded to before he got into those clips that I played was that all these people from the media call him all the time. They won't bring him on the show, but they want him to give statements. And he's talking about Rachel Maddow's people, Jim Acosta's people, you know, uh, Stelter and all those guys. And, and, And they want statements because they hear the stuff he says and they want him to give substance. So what he says is he will literally sit down in his house and he will talk to these idiots for like two hours and give them all of these things. And he says, before you call me, if you don't watch my documentaries, including 9-0 Supreme Court, and I ask you questions and you don't know the answer, then I'm not answering your questions. Good. That's yeah, sick. and he says he keeps these guys on the phone for fucking hours. Yeah, you want an interview? Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Base. Uh, we, and you know what? Election night, we called that. When yep. we saw the results coming in for California, <clears throat> I don't. I didn't think Trump would win. And, I mean, obviously we don't know the scheme of – if they did mess with California, I mean, I'm sure they did because an election night, we didn't think he was going to win California, but we definitely thought it was going to be close. Mm-hmm. The closest Republicans ever had, at least in the recent history. Just, we saw just the results. based of what we saw with our eyes. Oh my, yeah, and just around town. And you, then you drive. Cal- I mean, we're literally in the dumpster fire. Yeah, of we're the stone's throw away from the border. You can get on any freeway, you will see Trump flags on truck. Yeah. You can drive through any neighborhood, you will see Trump one signs on houses in california still yeah. they still have boat parades huge they still occupy um hollywood boulevard and yeah. uh you know down over there in bel air beverly hills and everything there are still people putting trump mock hollywood signs up on every major freeway yeah. in california we're not just talking about the sticks out here we're talking about beverly hills los angeles san diego yeah. sacramento and and uh Everywhere san francisco right <clears throat> well and then even like you know, California is such a densely populated state mm-hmm. in the major cities. As soon as you leave L.A. County, it's rural farming land up right. until the Bay Area. That that section of California has always been red. Yeah. And so then you look at Beverly Hills, San Diego, and then my parents have a house in the river, which is just over the border in Arizona. But when you drive there and you hang out on the lake, all like 90 percent of those people are from California. That's their getaway. Mm-hmm. And if to this day you go out there, there's Trump flags, there's patriotic music playing on the sandbars. Mm-hmm. And you talk to these people, where are you from? San Diego, Los Angeles, Anaheim, and it's like, 
Dude, you think that these people didn't vote? It's insane. Yeah, last month they had 700-plus votes in San Diego Harbor for a Trump rally, vote, flotilla, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Last month, we're talking June 2021. Like, people are not over it. People no. know what the deal is. And I love that, that nobody's given up. <clears throat> and we talked about it last week, that people haven't, you know, the major players in the political spectrum mm-hmm. that are still fighting for this is amazing. Because those people could have given up. They could have just sided with the results and, and kind of tucked their tails between yeah. their legs and left. And I don't think the Democrats thought that this amount of people and the revolution that had started, I mean, they poked a sleeping giant. Mm-hmm when they did this whole stop the steal or a steal election and then when stop the steal launched and it's like yeah you're like waking up the majority of people who didn't want to get touched you know it's like all these people that are second amendment freaks like us and then you try and take their guns and it's like you're poking the sleeping bear of all these people who just want to live their life they want to vote they want to put their kids in a good school they don't want indoctrination in the school system they're not outspoken on social media because they have worked 90 hours a week like a lot of us. Like us. And <laughs> and then, you know, you threaten them and you poke the bear and you think that these people don't exist. And now there's an uprising of people who are like, all right, you know what? We're not going to stand for this. And you see the red wave through California, through San Diego especially, and then even through L.A. up into a lot of the liberal strongholds. And it's amazing to see the people. I mean, didn't wasn't those guys that were sneaking the Trump flags? At the baseball game, someone did it at Peco Park, and I don't think it was the same two guys. It was like a different group, no, wasn't it? No, that's a New York representative who did it in both Yankee Stadium, Shea Stadium, Philadelphia, and then down in Florida. That was the same guy. That's Mark NY. He's somebody that's running in New York District 47. Yeah, but, but someone I'm, else did it here, it's spreading right? all That's over what the I'm country. saying is that it's <laughs> – I mean, Brev, I think if there's one thing that we can all – I mean, I know maybe statistics and numbers might not be your deal, but just the movement in general – I mean, we've talked about it several times. It's easy to get burnt out, maybe sometimes a little blackpilled, but right now we're living in probably the best timeline ever. Um, I'm in my 40s, and so is my co-host Noah. Nick's a little bit younger than us. But growing up, you, you would have presidents come and go where you would have one to five major issues encompass them over the course of four to eight years. Yeah. Where you're living in this timeline now, and it's like, an earth-shattering happening happens, if not daily, at least daily. weekly, right? And sometimes multiple times a day. And I think we're spoiled, like, on the happenings to where, like, sometimes we don't realize how big a happening is that would have been enormous, you right? know, any other time. But on this timeline, we've just had so many back-to-back and daily, like, you know, if something's not literally earth-shattering happening a day, it's like nothing happened, even though... All, you know, all these other things happen. And, um, you know, about California, uh-huh. y'all are like the first ones that I've heard that have taught that said that, you know, y'all, y'all, did, y'all weren't for sure that Trump was going to win California. Just about everybody I've talked to, like, you know, from, from out there has said, like, they thought that, you know, that he won California this time. And it wasn't like they were just, you know, hopeful of that. They, no, we, we they knew really it. thought, yeah, yeah, they just knew it. And so that's what, to me, was like maybe he maybe he actually did win California because I saw what everybody else saw, but then when I'm hearing from everybody who's out there that they really believe that he won it, like I was just, you know. And then when that the the map came out from the from OAN that uh showed that he won California, yep. you know, the one that was from the CIDL data. Yep. I would normally probably wouldn't like 
have believed that, but there was just something is because everybody had said it that was from out there that they thought he won it. And then when I saw it on that map, I was just like, maybe he did actually win California. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say it even though I'm not supposed to say it. And I said I wouldn't say it. And I usually have pretty good integrity, but you just brought it up. At the event this weekend, I was in close proximity during the Lindell speaking event to General Flynn. I would say within five feet. The only thing that separated us was his retired Navy SEALs that could kill me 15 different ways to Sunday <laughs> before I blinked. And these guys all were block out the Sunners. I mean, you wouldn't even think about. And, and the sad part is the only reason that we didn't get to interview Mike Lindell because we had everything set up. I have the receipts, emails from his personal assistants, Miss Caitlin. He was harassed from the time he got there to the time he left. And I guess him and General Flynn kind of share security details. They're kind of in like the same, you know, they use the same guys. They always travel together and it's probably just easier. One of the guys who was standing two bodies away from him during Mike Lindell when everybody was kind of getting emotionally into his speech because he did have some other highlights which aren't really pertinent to the show so I didn't include him but I'll probably throw on social media down the road. So this guy looks at me, gives me a little elbow bump, and I'm, like, looking at him, and he's like, you want to know what? He's like, I'm not supposed to tell anybody this. He's like, but that guy right there, and he points to General Flynn, and he goes, that guy right there, and he points to Mike Lindell. He's like, they hired a whole bunch of fucking retired Navy SEALs, and they sent them into China, and they sent them into Europe, and they got the fucking servers that everybody in Congress said didn't exist after the election. And he goes, all that shit's going to come out during the cyber symposium. And Mike Lindell has dates, but he's not saying what they are. And, and, that's kind of, and that's kind of where he left it. Dude, it gave me chills to where, like, I, I just, like, looked at him, and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, yeah. He's like, you want to know what it's like working for these two guys? He's like, it's fucking amazing. And then the guy just kind of, like, took a step to the side away from me and, and focused on watching Mike Lindell give the rest of his speech. But he saw that we were emotionally involved. He saw that we were out there kind of reporting on it because we had all of our recording equipment and, and we were taking video and audio. We, we brought our portable device out there and he kind of just gave me that little bit of tidbit and he's like, I, I just wish you wouldn't say anything about it. And I'm not going to give names and I'm not going to give more, any more specifics than that, but, th but that's literally the gist of what I can kind of spread. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I believed him. I mean, the guy is standing. It was him another bodyguard, and General Flynn. That's how close we were, and, and this guy's not just going to talk shit like that to where General Flynn could hear it, and he's 10 feet away from Mike Lindell on the stage and just think that that's okay to start saying that stupid shit to some random person he's never met before. You oh, know? definitely. And did, did, were you saying that reminds me, there was a video of, I, I have to go back and find it, I posted, mm -hmm. maybe, it's on, maybe it was on my deleted account, so I'd have to just find somebody else who had it. But there was a guy who said, that Mike Lindell's people like actually went to where the where the the IP address like where the like the IPs came from the IP addresses that were hacked into the computers mm -hmm. that they went and got servers and I remember at the time because he was talking that was right when Mike Lindell said he had hired white hat hackers and all that yes. stuff like that and this guy he wasn't like somebody we normally would play clips of he was like uh, I can't remember who he was but he said that they sent people over there to get the servers and i remember at the time like i'd never heard anybody else mention that and so i didn't think like much of it i still posted the clips but um but now that you say that that's crazy because i did hear somebody talk about that mike lindell 
you know, actually sent the guys over there and they got the servers. And, and you want to know, kind of circling back, and I know I mentioned it briefly, our, our episode 49, part one and two is going to be released tonight. We're, we're in Tuesday right now. You know, Steak for Breakfast episode 50 with Breb and Anthony Sabatini will come out tomorrow, which is Wednesday, as is usual. That event was ridiculous. That it was, it's hard to explain. You get off the freeway, you're about a mile away from where the event was taking place, okay? It looks like you're driving to a Trump rally. Both sides of the street, every car, every single person walking with flags, dressed in red, white, and blue. Like, I was starting to get emotional just driving up to the event. And, and then how we were welcomed, our little podcast, and I mean, Clay Clark said it on our last episode. He vetted us. He's not a bullshitter. He kind of gave us some really good info when he was on our show. And he said the people that go out there and, and, and risk everything to do it the right way, that's, that's kind of what got us in with these people, that we're, we're unafraid regardless of our jobs, if it may or may not negatively affect our family, which I can tell everybody off the record, even though we're recording a podcast, it definitely <laughs> will, um, you know, to do what we do. And then to go in person and be around all these people and be in the same room and be in the same building and, and be five feet away from them or actually sit down and interview with them. You know, it wasn't just the headliners to, like, see Bobby Kennedy Jr. or General Flynn or Mike Lindell. You know, we sat down and had an amazing conversation with Ian Smith. And we sat down and had an amazing conversation with Dr. Stella Emanuel. Um, she went around to every other place. And you know who she is, Breb? She's the, the frontline doctors who who went out and said hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, in the, in the height of COVID. They're like, these are natural um, cures that work. Um, the, and she got canceled. She was she was like the, the larger African-American lady. Who, uh, oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I, I love I love Dr. Stan, uh, Emanuel. She's, she goes hard. She sat down with us when, when our interview with her, almost 35 minutes. And she got so heart to heart, and then she got up, she hunched over the entire table, and she prayed over us. Such an emotional prayer that I felt like my literal skin was burning. And then, I mean, when she left, I just felt so much better about where we are, what we're doing, why we do it. Not just me, Nick, and Noah, but people like you, you know, like Wonder Woman, all the other podcasts out there that are that are trying to just not even spread the truth, just bring the truth to the table so that people have an alternative to all the garbage that they're being fed. Um, this with this, y'all's interview, y'all y'all interviewed her when y'all were just at this last event? Yeah, for for almost 35 minutes and that that will be up tonight on our as episode 49 part 1 and 2. It's we got her, we got Ian Smith, Anna Kate, Melissa Tate, um Charlene Bollinger, who's one of Bobby, she's probably Bobby Kennedy's best friend. She's also in that whole circle with him and like Roger Stone. They're all friends together, um, you know. And, and and she's like one of those cancer truthers who have gone all over the world and and kind of exposed. Like at the height of COVID, they went around to like India and China and the Far East and were like, okay, they're showing like mountains of bodies in the streets and they're saying that they could see the burn sites from space but we're walking through the streets of india and it looks normal besides everybody has a mask on same thing in china you know same thing in like malaysia and all the other places they went there was just so many truthers there that sat down with us and like shared their stories and opened their hearts um it, it was just amazing experience i think we got 
we probably have close to 30 interviews. Every, all of them are probably about 10 minutes. Some of them longer. Like I said, Dr. Stella, she said 30 plus minutes. She opened up her heart. She said she was going to take her, take us both in her car. I guess that's like a, a punishment when she's bringing people to God. If you're like not ready, she puts you in the car and just drives around for like three hours and prays for you until you feel so beat up. She tells you that's <laughs> just the beginning. And then she drives you to like, you know, her prayer revival places. And we, we, we sat down with a lot of good podcasters, like the host of uh, Bards FM, uh, Scott uh, Kesterson, most velvetiest voice I've ever heard in my life. Um, told us he loves what we do. He said we do it a little colorfully because we say, you know, he's more of a faith-based program, even though he does do politics. And we're more of a politics program, even though we kind of intertwine a little faith in there. But we drop some F-bombs too. But I always go back to the, I have, a, I have an alibi. If you go back to the Bible, and this is one of the things I talked about, and I actually got a lot of laughing responses out over the last weekend. You talk about the, the apostles, you know, all of Jesus' little crew. They were dock-working fishermen. You don't think all those guys had truck driver mouths, Brep? Like, you don't, think, <laughs> you don't think Peter and Matthew and John were just dropping F-bombs when the nets weren't full or if something broke, you know? It's just one of those things. <laughs> And, and we actually were really well received. We, we got a lot of good feedback. We got invited to other events we may or may not be participating in. Uh, there's, there's, it was a really just good experience. But I, I think the, the thing that people miss, um, and it's something that we can now attest to, when you go to those events, there's always like a picture on stage. When I post the Mike Lindell and the Bobby Kennedy Jr. videos later, you'll be able to see them. And there's the picture, General Flynn Center, and then it's like Powell and Kennedy – Linwood and Lindell, you know, Ian Smith and, and somebody else, uh, Tin Penny, the doctor who's getting canceled, who's on Hillary Clinton's most wanted list with Bobby Kennedy and Charlene Bollinger. And, and, and it's one of those things where um, you see those people and you're like, OK, there's like Q Team 6. This is like a Q event. But then yeah. you go, then you go and, and you actually experience it. I would say it was equal parts that movement, our movement, equal parts medical awareness because there were so many doctors there that we sat down with who just talked about not just covid but everything alternative treatments to cancer alternative treatments to covid like alternative treatments to like a, a better life things you can do preventative measures um there was a there was so many pastors there the spiritual experience of it was ridiculous and um you know pastor Locke was there pastor burns was there um and, and you combine all those things and what they're doing is things that we've expressed that we hope needs to happen on this show for so long and it's that during the 2016 and the 2020 presidential elections we were all out there we were all active we were lighting fires but now it's events like this that kind of bring all of those people into the same umbrella and say you want to know what it's okay to be a truther and fight alongside someone who's just a spiritual person or someone who's just anti-vax because we're all fighting for basically the same thing, and that's the truth. Um, you know, and it was just an amazing experience that I wouldn't kind of trade for anything in the world. I, we feel really humbled for having to gone, but even more blessed to have experienced it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I didn't even hear about that event or who all was going, but that's that's what you'd like to see is like the encompassing it all, not just, you know, like the Q stuff, but the medical part of it and uh and and the spiritual part of it and everybody there that's like a 
that would definitely be a blessing. And I'm take, glad y'all got y'all got to go in there and and interview those people and talk to everybody. Noah's here now. Hey, what's happening? Sorry, I'm late. Brev, this is Noah. He's our other co-host. Nick stepped out for a bit. He, he nice to meet you, man. But yeah, this is Noah, and he was with me over the weekend, and I, I was just kind of given a, a brief summary. It was it actually turned into a long summary of our experience there. And it, it was a long event, but. You know, the combination of the spiritual, the medical, and then the truth or movement all together finally working as one seems like it's giving a lot more momentum than it had when everybody was kind of in their own corners of the universe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one of the last things I'll, I'll allude on, and I don't want to leave her out. You remember Anna Kate, right? Yeah. She won Survivor. She was an international poker champion. She became a, a truther not too long ago and kind of a conservative she's i think she's trying to figure out what she wants to do um but she came and talked to us we we got her first interview off the stage um she gave a good interview kind of a decent testimony she talked about what she was all about you know everything from vaccine awareness to the election was stolen before she was done she asked if she could pray over us oh yeah it was pretty like dr stella was probably the most intense but anna kate halfway through her prayer started like squeezing my shoulder poking my chest and then when we were done remember what she did yeah she was like you're stressed out yeah she goes to walk away and then she turns around and she like locks eyes at me and she's like you need to let it go and i was like excuse me and she's like i could feel your stress energy coming off of you and i said well that's because i'm stressed yeah exactly so but she's like no literally she's like that's not what i'm talking about she's like i need you to really just let it go give it up to god like just start to like accept the fact that like whatever's going to happen happens but you need to like with the stuff that you're holding on to you need to let go because it's holding you back she's like i see it in your face i could feel it in your energy i was like all right thank you she's like no don't thank me she's like get up and come around the table and like give me a hug and she gave me like it was i don't want to say it was the awkward hug but it was like I was expecting just to give her, like, a professional hug, and she wound up giving me, like, an actual real hug, but it was because she felt the stuff that we got going on in our regular lives coming off of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the kind of experience it was. You get Mike Lindell saying that California might have flipped for Donald Trump all the way down to people like the man. Might have? Absolutely did. Yeah. Um, all the way down to people who you've only seen on television demanding that you hug them because they know you're stressed out. So good vibes and awesome experience. Very good vibes. Yeah, and we're we're right there to uh, you know kind of feel it. Wrapping up, stop the steal. Uh, we we do have to just lastly cover Wisconsin. Um, Timothy Ratham, who's the state senator there, he he's a representative out of the 59th district, uh, requested a forensic audit for the state of Wisconsin, and this is coming out of Madison, which we all know was one of the worst ones. We've already broke on this show news of all the people in madison wisconsin voting in the election even though the dorms were vacant um during the election process and and he had a couple stipulations that that simply asked um you know signs of machines that have folded ballots perfectly creased or not creased at all that means fake ballots or ballots that were never distributed but used in the election um ballots that have all the circles that match almost mechanically uh property or um paper quality that matches the official ballots like we're having seen in arizona with the bleed proof technology that apparently they didn't use when they passed out the fraudulent ballots um a review of the digital files and ballot tabulations similar to the ones that are in fulton county in georgia um to to verify the chain of of custody events uh more thoroughly examine the cybersecurity aspects regarding the routers and the internet access logins and protection software updates 
seems to be a reoccurring theme. We've covered this in every state we've gone through, and this is what these governors, or I'm sorry, these state representatives and state senators are now demanding. And um, he said, if any of these indicators are found, these ballots should be separated from the official ballots and a chain of custody investigation into the origin of the fraudulent ballot should take place. All fraudulent ballots shall not be, uh, uh, should not be cured. So it, it's kind of awesome that, that they kind of jumped in. We've been waiting for Wisconsin. People like Steve Bannon, not Q, have been saying for months now that Wisconsin is the uh, easiest state to win in court because they legitimately pulled a fasty-fasty on, you know, the state legislative there. So state legislation in Wisconsin updated their voter laws. The state secretary of state edited those laws that they updated to make it more easier and accessible for them to cheat in the election after it was already passed through the state Senate and the governor certified it less than 10 days before the election happened. So they clearly so not So they just like went in the back room and high-fived. Yeah, pretty much. They violated the actual constitution and the state constitution and 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 the, those are things that they said when it eventually does go to court and frame the right way, not Huffy Puffy Sydney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani even though I fucking love both of them, mm-hmm. going to court and saying there was 850 million ballots that did that <laughs> shouldn't count in Wisconsin like they did that one time. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of the stuff that we've covered. Uh, that they shot high, looking for the shock value, and then they weren't taken seriously by judges, which we've pointed out over and over again on the show, do not want to disenfranchise hundreds of thousands, more or less millions of voters across the country. But at the yeah, end I of don't the th- go ahead. I don't think at first, like any of those judges, I don't think even if, you know, you they would have given them lower numbers, I don't think any of them in the very beginning were going to... Uh, to disenfranchise and you know that many or be the first one to to pull the trigger on that yeah no you know you're absolutely right and yeah this all does fall back on that piece of shit judas mike pence because here's the deal there were so many good memes during stop the steal but so many memes the best ones were people kept coming up with better wrestling memes because texas initiated (laughs) pretty much stop the steal texas said you want to know what these inaccurate vote tallies in all of these swing states disenfranchise our voters where one vote equals one citizen. Okay, so we're going to go sue the federal government. And everybody want they got up to like almost 20 states who were like, yeah, they had a fucking Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, all of them, Michigan, and then all these other swing states that didn't really give a shit, but they're like, oh, yeah, you know, if, if, if we're doing Stop the Steal, let's fucking do it. So let's stop it. They didn't though. Oh. But the the boneless chicken wing and the witch made it into the to the capital. We'll get we'll get to that towards the end of the show. Um, but the thing is, Mike Pence fucking he, he had one decision to make his entire fucking life. I mean, how could you be anointed more anointedly than he was, and yeah. to, and to just say you don't want to know what? Not gonna do it. I heard that was gonna get a challenge coin. See, this is what happens. We talk about it every week, Breb. One person takes a shit on Mitch McConnell's desk, and everything fucking went sideways on January 6th. They yep. could say whatever it was. They could call it insurrection. They could say there was people destroying property. Insurrection. Right. We always attribute it back to the huge dump that was taken right in the middle of Mitch McConnell's <laughs> desk. Which I we, mean, that would sour your day a smidge. Which we have confirmed. Do you it, think it was on, like, his day planner? Well, here's the thing. Like the little desk calendar? You're, you're in the fucking first week of January. Or on the actual brand, wood. No, brand new year. Huge shit on your planner. Who knows if you've had your assistants <laughs> fill that thing out for months in advance? Do you think he shit on the 17th? 
I would have hoped oh. so. There you go. Now you just did an, you did an Ian Smith com right You're there. All right. That's, hey, that's another good one. I, I'll, I'll break this news to you. Ian Smith, who's been more of a uh, he's been a Q basher over the years. But now he's I didn't. Not, I didn't know that. I didn't know a, that. A lot of people have a basher it. really. Well, it's not really a basher. It's just like well, man, let's not use that such strong language. So if he's not like a basher. Well, let me try to do an answer. Hey, you guys believe in that shit? Like, <laughs> that's not a basher. It's just like a, okay. For, eh. First of all, Noah, can you verify he is one of the largest human beings you've seen in a long time? He is a specimen. Yeah. Not only is his beard bigly, but all the rest of him is too. But we had him giggling like a schoolgirl, just talking shit about anybody. Actually, all of our guests were giggling and laughing no they had they had a good time when you when you pulled the ligma variant on oh that one my doctor, gosh it was pretty i epic. did that to a doctor yeah but getting back to ian smith um you know i was just impressed he knew what it was we did an interview with him like four or five months ago and it was super serious all the way up until the end till i just said tucker carlson has paid off and at, up to that point sean had like that one had led him on once but tucker carlson had brought him on like five or six times and he just busted out laughing so he came and sat with us and we're just jerking around this that and the other thing so you know i always want to get the most out of it like it's oh it's ian smith fitness let's ask him about his gym let's ask him about his business let's ask him how his money is but no i want to say like okay you did cpac now you're here you're on the q team six tour nationwide yeah basically so it's not like you're sharing you know the same thing with all of these crappy ass rhinos and, and uniparty republicans like when you go to cpac and donald trump uh, now you're fucking shacking up with Mike Lindell, Sidney Powell, and all the rest of the gang, right? So we kind of get into it, and we start talking about the election, and we get into the election talk and as we're rounding up our election roundup here and Stop the Steal. And he said, you know, sometime in the middle of the night on November 3rd, and then he looked at us, and he's like, right on cue, and winked. And I looked at <laughs> Noah, and, and Noah was laughing just like that. He's finally starting to come around to the fact that there is probably something out there other than protein shakes, lifting more than I can ever imagine in my life, and, you know... At the same time, like not in your life. Right, multiple lives through multiverses, and this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> but, but, it, but it finally seems there's no way you could sit in a green room with all of these people and eventually not believe. You know what I'm yeah. saying, Breb? And it, it was pretty cool to see, his, to see him just give us a little, literally a wink to a cue that was a reference to just that um yeah he fought he had fought uh he followed me on the on my account before this and uh and we'd even talked a few times and what's funny is i didn't even know who he was like uh -huh. before he like before he followed me like my girl uh my girl did and she told me about it like she was like that's that's he's the dude from that has the gym in new jersey and yep. i was like oh and um it was just crazy because he's like he's fought, been following along with everything, and you know I thought he was all I thought he was on board with the Q stuff. You know, y'all were the first ones to tell me he wasn't. You know, beforehand he really wasn't. But that's but that's awesome to hear that he did that uh, in the interview. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, well, not on board and not wading into it are two different things, right? Like thinking but, that there's a possibility of some stuff being true versus completely like Ree! like he's not like that. No, not at yeah. all. So it, it was really good to to be able to spend some time with him, and uh, we had a, we had a really good time. We were laughing like little schoolgirls, and so was he. Even though he's a really large schoolgirl, yeah. So um, it's like one of those field hockey ones, right? I think one of the biggest aspects that we could take away from Stop the Steal is, and this goes out to everybody, and I mean, it's it's going to be a recurring. Besides actually stopping the steal, well, we are going to stop the steal, and that nothing can stop what's coming. Okay, and that's that's written in the. Annals of time. Annals. Yeah. Um, 
we do need to seriously understand that these things take a process and for them to be legitimate to unlegitimize something that was delegitimate rigged and stolen <laughs> um we just have to kind of let this thing play out there's probably a lot of people out there who aren't listening but that are like senators congress people and i pulled an excerpt from a post from uh, of the dark to light podcast with beans and frank tracy beans where one of the people who are le- kind of leading point in arizona is kind of alluding to the job that needs to get done and just why so let's listen to that real quick x on radio influence what do you say to other senators to give them the courage to do this in their respective states oh there's a there there where it's there it's there you just gotta look and the act of failure is failing to act if you find nothing you did your job if you find there's irregularities there's things that are messed up that need to be fixed prospectively for another future legislation you did your job if you find out that this thing is a complete pardon my language shit show <laughs> you need to you need to follow through and fix that and there's a remedy that's an arizona you state senator and that remedy shit can show. be we can't figure out who won this thing is so messed up you can't figure out who won I'm sorry, you do not award electors to somebody that you don't know who won, legitimately. So you, all you can do is reclaim the electors. Just reclaim them, okay? You deduct from 306, just deduct 11 votes, electoral votes. So 11 votes from Arizona, we're pulling them back. We can't figure out who they go to, so we can't give them to Trump. We just deduct that. Okay, like so 309 or 306 minus 11, what do you got? 295. If the other states start doing the same thing and it gets below 270, um, that means Biden's not the clear winner. This is going to happen, or they find if they if they start doing the same thing where they can't figure out who won. But I, I believe, I mean, Georgia's got more probable cause for an, an audit than we did, and and they're still messing around. Yeah, uh, that's just some of the points he was making there, and I think he might actually be foreshadowing something that maybe come into light soon pun intended for the dark to light podcast but if you just continue to decertify electoral votes and not necessarily win them to the person or give them to the person who won which would have been donald trump then you have no clear winner for the president you put us again in something that would be a constitutional crisis yeah under 270 so yeah, 80 million votes. The, the, dude, the dude in Georgia said that, you know, all we'd have to do is uh, not necessarily give Donald Trump the electors, but just pull him back, and then it would go to uh, a vote in the Congress, I think he said. Yeah, that would, that would take us to the contingent election, something that we talked about a lot um, leading up to— I thought, I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, so did I. Well, like, like we just alluded to, Mike Pence let everybody down. Um I, I guess a big, big distraction that kind of took away from that, surprisingly, was when um, California Representative Devin Nunez came out shortly after all the happenings that were going on with the uh, Arizona audit and all the stuff going on over the weekend. He made a huge announcement about the Durham probe. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Well, Donald Trump sure, sure as hell asked, where's Durham? 
multiple times on this show over the last <laughs> couple months. I saw a really good IG post today. Someone had like the original Bigfoot, you know, like the. Is he the guy that is like? Does he really exist? Yeah. Yeah. Ask him if he's a real person. Yeah. But Devin Devin Nunez came out two days ago and said he's got a huge announcement about the Durham probe and says that people are going to go to prison when the announcement comes out this week that we're in right now. Brad, what do you feel about that? Honestly, I don't think Nunez would uh, come out and say that unless it was like you know it was obviously like time. And, you know, maybe it could get pushed back again. But honestly, I don't see Nunez coming out and and saying that unless it was. And then, uh, you know, say what you want about like what Papadopoulos is, you know, has said. But he said that he he thinks that Derb's been waiting on something and he thinks that it's the to to release this along with the results of the audits being released and uh, just to have maximum effect of. You know everything that's you know all, everything that's wrong, you know as far as like not just the audits but just show how, you know, absolutely corrupt they are. Yeah, from top to bottom, garbage. Yeah, <clears throat> it's nice that he alluded to that because that was the next audio I was about to play. Oh, there you go. Yeah, let's hear some George oh, Papa. It's meant to be. Theorem is going to reveal it, and that's why I have been so confident that just be patient. Yeah. John Durham doesn't need to be doing this. He has no reason to be special counsel into Biden's presidency if he had nothing. John Durham was appointed two years ago. He has it all. I know who he's interviewed. Going back to October of 2019, he's waiting on something for the right moment. And I think that right moment is going to come up very soon simultaneously with the results of these audits that are- I think this went directly to Obama. I think it's a very sensitive issue because Obama was directly involved here. He was running the show in coordination with these governments abroad, like the UK, like Australia, that had interests in a Clinton presidency. She lost. It's now being exposed. And the reason Durham's probe, in my opinion, is taking so long is because look what we're talking about here. We're talking about a Western government conspiracy against a rival presidential campaign and an attack on American democracy. This was not an attack by China, Pakistan, Iran, Russia, where you could easily point the finger and say, oh, those are one of our competitors or those are one of our enemies. So, of course, it'll be easy to reveal what they did. The reason this is taking so long is because there are no Russians in the story. There are no Chinese. There are no Iranians. There are no Pakistanis. There's no Hamas. There are a lot of Italians. There are some Israelis. There are a lot of British and a lot of Australians. And that's what the deep state wants to cover up. I think this went directly. I just, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. It's like for the fulfillionth week in a row somebody leaks italy gate back into the narrative <laughs> which i think may or may not eventually come out but i definitely think is 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 pretty awesome that i mean george papa he'll tweet stuff here and there he'll go out and give like a blur but he won't really get into it like he got into right there i mean breb you could probably attest to that um like he did in such detail yeah he i've never heard him giving it detail you know he'll go he'll get on there and and tweet something like the time is now or whatever, but never really gets too much into things. But right there, I I don't feel like he's just blowing hot air. I think he, he knows that it's uh that it's time and he's directly involved and at yep. the center of everything that Durham's doing. So I just don't, I don't see him saying those things unless like he has, you know, he's keyed into it a little bit. So yeah. no, I completely agree. We're going to turn the corner now and get touch on something that we really hate talking about on this show but it's become such a persistent issue. I can't ignore it anymore as someone who kind of puts the, the, 
the skeleton together for what we're going to break down every week, and it's the bullshit that's going on with the vaccines. Um, still trying to figure out what the play is on the big push for the non-FDA approved. Um, supposedly killing a lot more people than they originally. Looks like those numbers that were around 10-ish thousand in the U.S. from dying from the vaccine might be up around 50,000-ish now as some affidavits were filed in a Los Angeles County court yesterday. I don't even know if it's necessarily just a push for any ulterior motive or anything like that. It's just become this political, <clears throat> you don't want to get it, so we're going to make you. Yeah. Like, you're not on my team. You don't agree with me. So fuck you. You're going to do it whether you like it or not. So not Agenda 2030 may be the biggest virtue single in the history of mankind? I think it's I think it's more than that. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's more I than that, too. But Nixon, most Nixon. most people who are not inherently evil that's their you know the people that are like you're the karen at the mall that's yelling at you for not having the mask on like it's just about control from for these people like it's their i get to be the fucking park ranger yeah day in the sun yeah but i think um you know we're talking earlier before you got here Noah, about how choreographed this whole movement has been Mm -hmm. and there's not a bunch of random attacks by a government or by the democrats it's one continuous deep state timeline of you know letting in the open up the borders years ago and then once they get here making sure they're not really prosecuted and then allowing them to adjust status to where they become residents or citizens eventually watering that down then watering down voting id and then creating this virus and then allowing that to inflict voter id to the point where the election was clearly stolen and now you look at this vaccine and i don't know if it's I wouldn't even – it's hard because some days I go back and forth. You have two camps in my mind. One is it's poison, it's population control, there's something nefarious in the chemical reaction and it might not um, come to fruition for years down the road. Maybe it's a delayed reaction. There's part of me thinks that, and the other part of me thinks it is a virtue signal combination of if you don't carry your vaccination card eventually, you're not going to be able to go outside, you're not going to be able to participate in this. Your papers, eventually, please. Yeah, you're not going to be able to vote. So I think – Just get in the boxcar. I think they're slowly stacking up the chips. You know, they get all this nonsense about the Delta variant, and then Pisaki came out or an earlier and said... Um, the, li- the Ligma variant? <laughs> <laughs> the updog variant. That, that one's coming in hot, uh, probably in August. <laughs> um, saying that Biden would support another second round of lockdowns, and I think that they're, they're queuing up the rampantness of saying, if you're not vaccinated... You can't participate in in-person voting. Like, there's going to be a lot of repercussions that come with the whole vaccination thing. So I think it. I mean, it could be like a deadly virus inflicted in the vaccine, and and that time will tell if people start dropping like flies more than they are now, or if it's just a ploy to say, hey, if you don't have a vaccination card, you can't do this or that, and that's going to shut down all the people, majority of people on the right, who are like, I'm not getting that. And then all the people on the, on the left who are idiots are going to be the ones that are going to be able to participate in normal life. And it seems like the people that have the vaccine are the ones that keep getting hit with coronavirus. You yeah, want to know what's pretty funny strange. is there, there was a doctor. Like, I eat food off the ground at work. A spokesman for the administration <laughs> came out last nice. week and said that 60% of everybody that was being admitted to hospitals now were fully vaccinated. And he had to not only redact. After oh, he con- had to say he said it wrong. Yeah, he said it backwards. He got slapped. So, yeah, Jen Psaki probably took off her flat and gave him a couple good ones with it. But she threw the <laughs> chunkla at him. That piece of shit. Mm. Um, but, but, we, but we need to get into the gist of it right here. Um, last week, Joe Biden said 
users on Facebook, like Nick, who goes around body bagging people in the comment section, are the real reason <laughs> and the only reason why people are dying. You, you think it's funny, but here, here's the actual audio. I'm, I'm What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. <laughs> I mean, it really. They are, look, the, the, the reporter only said what we have is among the unvaccinated, and that, and they're, and they're killing people. And then he just walked away. So they're like, somebody get this man some chalky chalky chip. So stat. shouldn't, shouldn't <laughs> unvaccinated people be getting it like more than vaccinated people then? Well, it's pretty funny. The only people that are actually getting the PCR test right now are the vaccinated because they're the ones that are so worried about catching it from yeah. the unvaccinated. I'm not worried at all about catching it. So all of that, all of these stats that they're trying to put together are just a combination of lies and mismanagement of numbers to a point of almost no return. Um, Fox News got into it with Jen Psaki shortly thereafter those comments and wanted some clarification on how body baggers on Facebook like Nick are going around killing people in real life. She likes she looks like the wish version of Pepper Potts. There you go. From the Avengers. How <laughs> has the administration been spying on people's Facebook profiles looking for vaccine misinformation? Well, that was quite a loaded and inaccurate question, um, which I would refute now. Well, Peter, first of all, as you know, we're in, we're in a regular touch with with a range of media outlets. As as, as that Biden is regular touching people. Ooh, <laughs> saw what you did there. <laughs> I saw what he did there. <laughs> she got a little nervous about the Ligma variant. Mm. <laughs> that one is uh, spicy. Well, salty. Mm. For some reason, the audio decided to go. I think the account I saved it from got nuked because it just just now it got nuked. <laughs> But but here's the here's the deal. They they kind of went back and forth, and and apparently like, at the direction of Jen Psaki, and two top ranking administrators at Facebook. They Wait, were what did she say? She said that is a unloaded and uh, a, a loaded and possibly like misinformation loaded question. Oh yeah. So you know, but but at some point the White House at, at her direction, like the office of Jen Psaki, the office of the press secretary, were basically telling. Facebook to go out and and nuke these accounts of people who are spreading what they call misinformation. Any kind of misinformation is anything wrong with the vaccine, anything wrong with getting the vaccine, anything wrong with the origins of the virus, and, and things of that nature. So it, it, it's kind of like a shit show. But but you want to know what wasn't? Speaking of misinformation, and what was really hot over the weekend was to hear Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, talk about some of this stuff because last week the White House put out a list. They've called themselves, according to um, Charlene Bollinger, they've named themselves the Avengers. I like it, yeah. But I, was, Hillary, I was there for that. Hillary Clinton apparently gave the White House a list of the top 20 biggest misinformation-ers in the world, and she made it in addition to Bobby Kennedy Jr., who spoke at the Clay Clark Reawakening Tour this weekend and I was able to rip some audio of him kind of alluding to um, just exactly what's going on with all of this bullshit. So let's hear that trademark shaky Kennedy voice kind of break it down for us. The our job <laughs> with the our job is to make sure that there is that there is no way forever. And um, and so you know, the, and we need to understand that we've watched our constitution be systematically dismantled in a way that is astonishing to all of us. 
And of course, like every effort to impose tyranny on a people, on a democratic nation, they have to start with censorship. Because, and that's why the founders knew that. That's why they put it in the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And that you can't mess around with free speech. Yesterday, President Biden said, and, and in the press conference, you know, the White House press conference, they ordered Facebook to censor me and Charlene and, and 10 other people. <laughs> they, have, they have a list. That's, I don't see how anybody un, doesn't understand that the First Amendment is implicated there. Once they did the First Amendment, now they can go after religion. It's also in the First Amendment. What did they do? They closed the churches in this country for a year. They ordered every church. Who could have imagined two years ago that a doctor would order every church in this country closed for a year? Terrible. Jeez. And they kept the liquor stores open as essential businesses. The liquor store isn't in the Constitution. The church is. Brad, that that's got, that's kind of got to get hit at home. I mean, he he pointed out some really good clarification there. You know, I think it's awesome. He was a last minute addition to the squad, um, but but he he may not sound like much, but he is a heavy hitter, and that guy brings a lot of passion and fire to some of the stuff that he talks about. Oh yeah. I, I haven't uh, kept up on, on Bobby Kennedy as uh, as much, but, you know, he, um, yeah, I really like, you know, what he does. And and he's right, like, about the churches. Yep. Like, two years ago, you would have never thought that they'd be able to, especially a doctor, like, shut down all these churches. And then it's just a slap in the face to keep open, you know, things like the liquor stores. and Even um, smoke shops. I was, that, was, that was crazy. When I saw smoke shops. Not even dispensaries, just like regular smoke shops. Mm -hmm. Slap in the face, like big time. Yeah, to everybody. But mosques weren't closed. Was is that true? I didn't even know that that they didn't close the mosque. No, well, not the ones in San Diego. I've driven by a couple, and they're out there. I wouldn't say barbecuing, but <laughs> they're doing something sketchy. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. Wow. What? I mean, first yeah. I thought it was like a ninja meeting or oh, something. Oh, here we go. Oh, man. Bobby Kennedy right now is known to the White House as the number one spreader of anti-vax information in the world, in addition to being the number one... Do you get a trophy for that? ...anti-child vaccination advocate in the world. Can we make him a trophy? I would love to make him Let's a make him a trophy and send it to him. I he wanted needs to get, one. I wanted to get close enough to be like, tell me, tell me if your fucking cousin's alive, just fucking tell me. Before I got to, before I got destroyed by his bodyguards, right? <laughs> we already talked about how big all of those blockers out of the sun were. All those retired Blackwater guys. Oh yeah, that they were, were very serious. That were shuffling around <laughs> General Flynn and pillows all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I mean, we literally saw the the tactical. Remember when we were walking to see Mike Lindell and they were rushing him across the egress and they and got a, like one hand over his pillow, head, pillow force one, and they're pushing him in the fucking suburban <laughs> because because the Antifa people there were bothering him. The fact of the matter is, is they think Mike Lindell is the weakest link, so uh, apparently they already target him, and they, they made it such an issue over the weekend that Clay Clark actually got on stage and talked about some of the idiots that he kicked out, and, and, and 
encourage them to take a sledgehammer and sledgehammer themselves in the nuts <laughs> because of how retarded they were acting. We could probably put that audio in here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try and cut that up later. It was, yeah. it was kind of an extended clip so I didn't want to throw it in the show, but I'll I'll make a reel out of it or something. But yeah, so so, so that's kind of coming from that. I want to segue to our earlier guest, Anthony Sabatini, who's also been checking into the base department lately. He's he's kind of um dropped some tweets as of late. Um, in regards to the guest who's coming up on our, our in, in the continuance of this uh, segment, and he he was talking about none other than Anthony Fauci. So um, Sabatini weighed in, as he always does. I mean, last week he was talking about uh, what, what's going on in Cuba, and that he he hopes at some point all the people that that lead that country are executed. Um, but directly after uh, some of the stuff that we've just covered, he, he released a tweet today that said, it's not that I hate Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's just that I love freedom. I like it. Yeah. Just kidding. I objectively hate Anthony Fauci. Oh. <laughs> so that, I hate him, too. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's awesome that he, he – I mean, Breb, we've talked about it on this show. If you remember the movie Airplane – when they had the line of people lining up to punch and the nun yeah. in the face who wouldn't <laughs> shut up. That is, that is how some of the prominent figures in our movement, at least, including Rand Paul and, and people like that have lined up to just absolutely body bag. Um, Anthony Fauci. Fauci. Yeah. On a regular basis. I was able to make another meme today. Referencing back to my original Dr. Fauci meme with the activated eyes. Tell me, Anthony, where did the fucking virus come from? I guess Anthony Fauci <laughs> called uh, Rand Paul a liar today. No, oh, I, I saw that one. So, and, and when he called him a liar, Rand Paul was mid-swig of a drink, and the, the assistant that was sitting behind him actually started laughing. Um, <laughs> Did Rand Paul's eyes activate? Well, I, I made them activate. Oh, yeah. And, I, and while he's drinking the water, I put the caption on it that says, what the fuck did you just say to me, Anthony? <laughs> so, but, but we're actually going to hear the, the back and forth that, that was. Um, There's know, a lot of non-answer. Well, there was uh, you're misunderstanding the reservoirs and <laughs> can we just this it? was today this Th clip that you're playing yeah we're, we're gonna have we're gonna have a couple clips and, and it's the back and forth that they had today quite listen, frankly listen you don't know what you're talking Section about 1001 of the US criminal code <laughs> creates a felony and a five-year penalty for lying to Congress so he's threatening, he's, he's threatening Fauci with jail time 11th, yeah you stated that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute by Dr. Xi and was funded by the NIH. I'd like to ask unanimous consent to insert into the record the Wuhan virology paper entitled Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses. Please deliver a copy of the journal article to Dr. Fauci. In this paper, Dr. Xi credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant that she was given by the NIH. In this paper, she took two bat coronavirus genes, spike genes, spike and genes. combined them with a SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. These lab-created viruses were then to shown to replicate in humans. These experiments combine genetic information from different coronaviruses that infect animals, but not humans, to create novel artificial viruses able to infect human cells. 
Viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in the Wuhan lab to gain the function of infecting humans. This research fits the definition of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. But the NIH failed to recognize this, defines it away, and it never came under any scrutiny. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as, the Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high-risk research that creates new potential pandemic. Okay, so that's kind of where we started. It sounds like he understands what he's talking about. Yeah. Pandemic well, pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Turn your mic on, jackass. Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, Congress. and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to paper. was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. Liar. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its yeah. transmissibility to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. Mammals? They took animal viruses <laughs> that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function? It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have respond. to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point okay, that so you Manimals are is that the, the, the grant <laughs> that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth sub to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. if it did I come can, from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the lab, including yourself. Burn. So, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but if that's what gain of function means, that sounds a lot like gain of function. Well, I mean, the temper tantrum comes to a climax. Hmm. The one thing I like, it's a good climax. In this last clip. <laughs> <laughs> totally This committee resent. will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Dare you. Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, 
It is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. it no is one is molecularly that those virus caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain-of-function research was going on in that lab, and NIH funded it. That you is can't not get away from it. It meets your definition, and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. You are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's. judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. No one's saying those viruses the pandemic. We're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were They're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you, you admit the truth. And you implying. Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. Could that. Have and if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. Uh, Senator Smith. And, that, and that's kind of <laughs> the look it, on the aide's face is just yeah. like, oh, you fucked up now, Aaron. No, it sounds like Dr. Fauci is doing whatever he can to literally save his skin. Brib, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, when you, he sounds like he's he's been cornered, and just like the first time, I don't think he thought that uh, anybody knew specifically what the research was was called. Whenever Rand Paul first asked him about it, and he perjured himself, I don't think he thought anybody knew exactly like what to ask, like what specific questions. And so now, you know, he's just trying to get back at uh at Rand Paul for, you know, having his number, but um, but yeah. Yeah, he's speaking yeah, think, very specific about, like, well, those particular viruses. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the point. The point is that you guys are conducting this research that falls under this definition yes. of gain-of-function research, and there's no denying that. And he keeps circling back. You know, he just wants to paint him as not knowing, you know, what he what he, what he's talking about, but it's clear from the first time when he had to readmit, you know, that, it, that he did fund the gain-of-functions, like... You know, he knows now. He should have turned it around and said, okay, well, explain to me what gain-of-function research is right now. You know yeah. who's absolutely had it with all of this bullshit? Who? We haven't had him on in a while. Who? He uh, wears tight polo shirts. Ooh, Alex yeah. Jones. Yeah. Greb, I don't know if you heard some of this epic rant that AJ had over the weekend um, and leading up to today and Dr. Fauci's testimony we play it for shock value only. I mean, Alex Jones is a lot of the older Anon's first red pill, if it's not 9-11. Mm. But every once in a while, we like to see him absolutely lose it, wipe his face with a towel, <laughs> and then go in for round two. So we're going to play that right now. The show at this point. In fact, I just need to walk out of here. Mm, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I, and this is not some theatrics I'm doing. I've reached the point so pissed off at everything that I can't do the show anymore. I got to go to rebroadcast for a while. Let me play a couple things. We'll see if I'm able to come back. Probably not. I just, we're going to get wiped out. People aren't serious. They're all in the trance. It's all over. Seriously, screw everybody, man. If you want to let them murder you and your family, just go ahead. I mean, they're, they're having press conferences. They're going to read all your text messages. I mean, screw them. They should all be arrested now. Is there nothing we won't put up with? Seriously. 
It's obscene to come into the show with Johnny B. Good playing like we're still in a free country and having a good time. And I'm not mad at the crew. I put that music in there. But that's all over. All this crap's over. Everybody got that? We got serious murderers killing everybody around us. They think it's funny. They think we're in a damn trance, going to put up with it forever. Now look at that raggedy Ann, freaking Fauci up there, and that Crip Keeper Biden, the Chicom stumbling around, <laughs> bunch of murderers. <laughs> Oh, oh Alex. Oh, he hasn't even started yet. Is there more? Okay. Shuffling, <clears throat> shuffling papers. I'm going to tell you this again. You see this right here? This is in America. You're a TV viewer. You see this right here? This says right here, this is the national directive of the president and an executive order saying if you question lockdowns or forced inoculations or stolen elections, you are a terrorist and you are a white supremacist and the Pentagon says it's preparing to attack you and your family. How dare I mean, us. And, oh, oh, Senator Josh Hawley says he's concerned about it. Oh, and the governors are concerned about the declaration of war against the American people by criminal CHICOM agents that have... I'm almost too. They've gone close. all out. This is the blitzkrieg. This is the lightning war. This is the attack. This is time to get right with Jesus. And let me tell you, when there ain't food for a month, your neighbors will eat your ass, like I told you a year ago. And I told you that's where this was all leading, and we didn't stop it. And there's not much time left. Fauci and Gates and Schwab. You can start with somebody like Cuomo giving orders to kill all those people. They start getting arrested. Their whole plan comes out in the open or it's over. We don't. Brad, I know at least at the very least you enjoyed. He's snorting a lot more than he used to. What yeah. do you think, Noah? It's, yeah, getting a little snorty. I mean, you can't not love you some AJ. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I like his freak outs and everything, but. Not too sure of him everywhere uh, on many other things, but oh no, we're we're in the same ballpark on that one. I mean, he definitely uh, has some glowy vibes coming off of him, amongst other things. <laughs> so no, but he's he's right on every, on everything he just said, though. So that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see him epically melt down every once in a while. Um, wrapping up this segment, though, right where we started. Basements apparently got hit with Saki's flat a couple times too because he had to go out today and, and walk back his comments that people who shit post on Facebook like Nick are literally killing people. So let's just kind of hear how he tried to fix that absolute dumpster fire that he started on Friday. You said last week that companies and platforms like Facebook are killing people by letting Let me be precisely what I said. I'm glad you asked me that question. One, I had just read that on the Facebook, Facebook pointed out that it was pointed out that Facebook, of all the misinformation, 60% of the misinformation came from 12 individuals. That's what the article said. So I was asked that question about what do I think is happening? Facebook isn't killing people. These 12 people are out there giving misinformation. Anyone listening to it is getting hurt by it. It's killing people. It's bad information. My hope is that 
Facebook, instead of taking it personally that somehow I'm saying Facebook is killing people, that they would do something about the misinformation, the outrageous misinformation about the, the vaccine. That's what I meant. I haven't been, be, to be completely honest with you, I don't know if they did anything today. Up to over the weekend, I don't think they had, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Will you hold them accountable if they don't do more to stop the spread? When you say hold accountable, I just want to, I'm, I'm not trying to hold people I'm trying to make people look at themselves, look in the mirror. Think about that misinformation going to your son, your daughter, your, your relative, someone you love. So he, he goes out and says in the same sentence, I'm not trying to hold people accountable for spreading misinformation. But it's your S- fault. Semicolon. Think about those people. When he's talking about those 12 people, he's referencing directly to that list that was put out last week that had Bobby Kennedy, Charlene Bollinger, and, and Dr. Stella Emanuel and people like that on it, which is just an absolute fucking non-truth in regards to you know, some of the stuff that's going on. We said it on the show before. We elaborated on it, and it'll be out when we talk about it on episode 49 when we were at the Clay Clark event. The vaccine is the alternative treatment to whatever COVID is or not. All of the pre-existing, cheaper, proven remedies are the ones that work. The hydrocoxychloroquine, the zinc. Hydro what? Vitamin D, vitamin C. Going out in the sun, staying hydrated, being active. Those things are all so much. What was that other one the guy told you? The uh, uh, It was like the ingredient in the nasal spray stuff, right? Yes. I forget. The, it, it was like a steroid with long-term studies that had no long-term or negative side effects. And all of these doctors were destroyed because this whole vaccine thing is centered around fucking money. That's why. They made so much of it and invested so much in it. Yeah, they can't let it die now because then they wanted seventy percent of the country. They're hovering around forty percent right now. Forty percent of the country only, which is a great thing. It's awesome to hear that because people aren't fucking as retarded as we thought they. Well, that just means that. Are you talking about minorities who don't know how to use the internet? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it could always be that. Uh, How dare? Well, that just means that a lot of people on their team are still refusing to get it too. Yeah. It is. And you want to know what else came out today? Um, The White House announced that there have been some high-profile COVID cases of people who were vaccinated twice, and they chose not to report it to the media. Mm. Wow. I didn't hear that. That came out today. In addition, that was also from the the office of Saki. I I just lost the audio because my Twitter refreshed, but, but breaking right now, Mitch McConnell just gave a press statement the turtle from the never-ending story recipient of shit on his desk on january 6th special delivery that if people don't start getting the jabs and i'm quoting now in their arms as fast as possible we can definitely look forward to things like were last year left it open but we all know what it fucking means yeah all i have to say to him is listen mitch shit on your desk recipient greece paris england Okay, Toronto, all the places this weekend where the people have absolutely had it with this fucking bullshit. Listen, there have been videos online this weekend of President Macron of France can't drive down the street because people were throwing fucking cinder blocks at his car. (laughs) Boris Johnson was getting ushered into uh, wherever the fuck they call their house of 
jerk offs over there in England, and people were yelling, "Parliament!" Right, not by the hundreds, but by the thousands. Arrest Boris Johnson now. In Greece, people were saying, "Fuck the vaccine." There were tens of thousands of people in Athens, and just fucking going crazy this weekend. There was people in Italy, all over the world, Australia, even too, where they keep having. Let me give you a stat. The city of Los Angeles and the country of Australia have one thing in common. They have 10 million people approximately that live in both of them. Mm-hmm. In the last 14 days, in each place, two people have died of coronavirus or... Got hit by a car on a motorcycle. Or with coronavirus. Yeah. The only thing that's tying those two things together is that both of those places are now getting locked down for no fucking reason. 10 million people live in each of these places and because of two deaths, they're going to reinstitute mask mandates, lockdowns, and shut all the fucking people out again in Australia and Los Angeles. It's absolutely ridiculous. People have had it, bro. They I mean, have. I mean, they really have. That's like, they're making see- it so wild that even the people that are on their team are, are done. I'd love like, to be- you know what? I'd love to be a fly on the wall at Davos right now. Oof. Where good old Klaus is like, well, they're not listening to us. What do we do? <laughs> so, sorry, Brad, I interrupted you. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say there was a poll out in Newsweek that said over half of uh, unvaccinated people are not even worried about the, the Delta variant. So, I mean, yeah, sure are. They I don't think it's a battle thing. with that. I think the Delta variant's only going to affect people that are vaccinated. Yes. I think that's going to be the magic of the Delta variant. Yes. I 100% agree with you. One other thing I want to touch on before we wrap, and it's really important because it's it's also been prominently in the news. One of the January 6th insurrectionists was sentenced to eight months in prison today. They tried to give him 18 months. Not in congruence with the time he's already served in, in solitary confinement. His sentence will start from whenever it was sentenced this week. Okay? Yeah, but they tried to give him 18. I know. And it's, it's, it's not a pretty sight. Um... Breb, I, I know you probably have some real convictions on January 6th. People have told us we've had, I think, nine guests on who. For it, real, the guy's not getting time served, though? That's bullshit. He's not. Have participated or not, Breb, it's, it's up to you on whether or not you want to say if you were there. It doesn't mean anything to us. Um, but the fact of the matter is I'm sure you have some real strong feelings on it. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that event as, as a total? Well, I, I wasn't there, okay. but, uh, you know, because I, I mean, I did kind of have a feeling, you know, that things could go sideways. But but, yeah, I mean, I just feel like the whole, uh, you know, from the research that I've done on it, it's it's obvious that there was, you know, federal informants there or, you know, agitators that uh, that helped push that thing along. and. Yep. And I think some of these, some of the big voices in this movement that were there, you know, kind of helped, helped it along, helped that process. And uh, I think you I might, mean, be, I, you might be talking about one of our future guests, and it's not Alex Jones. Oh yeah, you're gonna have a, what? What future guest is that? I'm pretty sure you're good at math. If it wasn't Alex Jones, there was one other person out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, if y'all get if y'all getting him on the show, that'll be that'll be a thing to see. We might have to huddle because I want I want to, we'll figure it out offline. But the fact of the matter is is that I I want to hear really what you know you feel about the whole thing. Keep going. Yeah, I just I honestly feel like uh, you know like some of the people that were that were closest you know to us like the big voices like. Yep. Helped help this thing along, and uh, 
I think it's clear from the video footage that, um, you know, like even the Capitol Police that let the people in that yes. that this was all this was all done as you know, and it was a show. And I yeah, mean, there's absolutely no chance that them knowing an event like that was going to happen that they would have had so little if, security. Yeah, if they knew, if they thought that shit was like all the people, they could have burned that place to the ground. Yeah, easily. Yeah, and, and they could have brought Mike Pence out to hang him. Like Nancy Pelosi supposedly said people were saying. Yeah. So, I mean, we've debunked and unbunked a lot of things on this show. There there have been... Rebunked? Well, I mean, there's been statements about the bear spray and them saying it didn't exist. And we were shown actual video of it. So then I, I know that it's true. Yeah. You know, and, and we've also seen stuff about... A lot of the uh, stuff that's come out that's leaked online, like the 63-year-old teacher who was arrested two weeks ago and her two dossier photos that were leaked to the media in her FBI file folder are of Capitol Police from two different angles holding the fucking door open for her and so on and so forth. polite. Right. Um, Norbin Laden tweeted today. I mean, just because there's a riot going, it doesn't mean you can't be personable and, you know, a gentleman. True. Anyone who dares to refer to themselves as a conservative and or Republican and doesn't stand up for the January 6th political prisoners is a national disgrace. She's not talking to us. She's talking to elected officials in this country. There have been some who said enough is enough. But Mr. McCarthy today decided to uh, appoint Senator Banks and Jim Jordan, along with three other Republicans who are typically known as rhinos, on Nancy Pelosi's January 6th congressional inquiry nobody gives a fuck it's already been investigated twice they won't release the data the death was debunked probably because the data doesn't go with their story well it it will but it'll just expose a whole bunch of fbi agents that were probably causing more shitting on mitch mcconnell's desk right i guarantee somebody in the fbi shit on mitch mcconnell's desk but but something came out that kind of touched my heartstrings today it was leaked probably by people who are working in the jails that are housing some of these january 6th how many people are locked up? Insurrectionists. Yeah. Every night at 9 p.m., apparently, the block of people that are detained from January 6th sing the national anthem. Nice. The audio is raw, but I think for the listening audience who may or may not have heard or know about this, I do want to play a portion of it right now. Brev, you hear this yet? No, I hadn't. I've been... I've been tied up here in Houston ain't been able to research much so I ain't heard of that let's give it a listen I mean nobody doesn't like the national anthem right Mm -hmm. well Democrats
I mean, if that well, doesn't... It was so loud that it was maxing out whatever. I mean, and people don't carry around shitty phones nowadays. It was maxing out, like, a legit, like, freaking iPhone or some shit. We, we've been through a lot of shit this last weekend, and I, I wasn't emotionally ready to hear that again. I, I was listening to it this morning in my house. I was getting a little emotional because when you start to invest in the context of it and that this is really going on where we saw cities burned billions of dollars of damage police officers beat up killed you know all this shit going on and and absolutely you had people who occupy the office of the president and vice president right now super PACs bailing out scumbags who were literally burning buildings down and killing people trying to burn down buildings with people inside them exactly you have people who walked into the fucking Capitol, stayed inside the velvet ropes, may or may not have took a shit on Mitch McConnell's desk, and stuck around to clean up the trash afterwards in jail for fucking seven months. Wow. It's horrible. It's horrible. They're this just is, political prisoners at this point. People who, who continue to think that stuff that happens in Washington, D.C., or the five or six cities they get reported on constantly that shapes the narrative of the nation as a whole by the mainstream media and that's new york chicago san francisco los angeles and every other shithole that i'm omitting right now and that it doesn't affect them because they live out in the sticks or they're a farmer or they're a truck driver or they're just a teacher need to wake the fuck up well the truck drivers are getting hit with the gas prices how many teachers and truck drivers and farmers who never did anything their entire lives have now been rotting in fucking federal prison for seven months for walking into the Capitol. How do you get stuck for seven months without, like, actually... We've played two other different Capitol insurrections twice on this show yeah. during the Kavanaugh and Comey hearings. Okay, just because a whole bunch of people dress up like the fucking Handmaid's Tale and it's a big virtue single and they walk in there and say, you know, like, Brett Kavanaugh raped everybody, like, he gang-raped 500 people at the same time and enjoyed it 50 years ago even though there's no witnesses or proof or the people that the person said got raped had nobody to back up the story because they're like no she never told us that and we didn't think that happened but that was fine and that's just where we're at that was that was a powerful uh, clip there though i hadn't heard that yet and you want to know what there's only one way to round this home because after, after hearing a lot of stuff we heard on this show, possible lockdowns, forced vaccinations, stop the steal kind of moving at a molasses pace. Mm. We do have a Trump rally coming up this weekend, though, so spirits will be uplifted. But we, but we need to keep the kind of feed the context of it. General Flynn, over the last week, maybe the 10 days, he appeared on a podcast and he talked about kind of the doomer mentality and the black pill mentality. For, for when stuff just gets so heavy, you kind of say, you want to know what? I know what's going on, but I just don't fucking care. And it doesn't really affect me, like, really, really. So I'm just going to fucking do whatever. I'm going to tell everybody I'm smarter than them because I see it, but it doesn't affect me. I become, like, the bourgeois of the Red Pill movement. I, I, I ascend to the Black Pill. And, and General Flynn really kind of gave some good commentary on, on just what kind of having to beat that narrative means to this movement. So... Before we wrap here, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of play that and, and let you guys think what uh what you what you know what you feel about it. Oh, and just the just the metaphor of black pill mm -hmm. is, and, and this is sort of where, what we're in, what we're involved in. We are in a in a battle between darkness and light. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just the notion of black pill, it it you know the the it means darkness, right? You're you're there's a, there's a darkness to that 
word mm-hmm. or to those two words if it's not one word, right? Black pilled, I guess, is a is a to use it as a word that implies that connotes darkness. If people want to stay in the dark, you know, then then be prepared for the consequences of darkness. There you go. Right. Yeah. I I do not wish to stay in the dark. I want yeah. to see the light mm-hmm. because I know the consequences of being in the light. It being in the light actually can bring a lot of attention, you know, to you. And it, and uh, and that's and, and now back to what I've been saying about, you know, who are you as an individual? You define yourself. But being in the light also allows exposure of the truth. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 light connotes truth. Darkness connotes evil and evil is is a is a lack of understanding and a lack of truth Come in on. our society. Yep. And so there's so many components of that because he you know he touches on uh on people voting or not voting right Mm -hmm. that's that's a darkness in our society so what we want to make sure of is we have to make sure that we as americans you know as as freedom loving as faithful people this is not just for christians this is for anybody who fears who's in fear today to move toward the light move toward the light What do you think about that? I mean, it kind of, I mean, this this kind of heavy show, we talked about some spiritual experiences that Noah and I experienced over the weekend, kind of some stuff we've been going on over the show and how it might be being lifted a little bit by, by people who kind of felt it that were around us. And then like all the stuff we kind of covered, it's heavy all the way up through that, you know, recap of what's going on with January 6th right now, all the way from Nancy Pelosi's bullshit committee, all the way up through these guys kind of singing themselves to sleep every night with, with America's love song, the national anthem. I mean, General Flynn kind of rounds it up as 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 just as simple as we could all say it and everything from an informative post to the shit post we post every day online. What do you think? Yeah, it's good to hear him actually like use the terms like black pill and and, and speak on that and uh you know, and I just think that uh finding God and uh you know, whether whatever it is you want, I just think that coming into the light and staying away from the black pill is is uh has got to do with like finding God and knowing that this is all in his hands and and that uh you know, that's I just like the way he touched on that. You yeah. know. And that that kind of rounds into like, you know, it's kinda of funny, this is your first podcast, but a lot of people look at you as a major influencer. Like there's so much more to hearing your voice and the things that are kind of on your heart and what motivates you behind, you know, just a groiper meme or it being shark week or things like that. I mean, I really enjoyed the fact that I got to hear what kind of a person you are today. I I have to say I'm impressed. Number one, number two, I suggest you start doing more of these things and getting your voice out there because for as much as an influencer, you may, or may not think you are online is you can do so much more by kind of, you know, just giving commentary on some of the stuff you post on. Sometimes I think it's a, it's an awesome experience. I, I, I think, you know, I thought you were a little bit nervous coming in, but in my opinion, I'm sure Noah can agree. I don't think you missed a beat today. Whenever we kind of covered something, you added some colorful insight and commentary on it. And that's, that's kind of what this show is all about. Yeah. Try to jump in whenever you feel the need. 
Well, I wish I, I wish I was a little a little bit more prepared, but I'm I'm here with my sister at the, uh, you know, at the hospital, and it just kind of. Um, but but yeah, it was it felt it felt really good, and I definitely agree. Like uh, I'll start getting out there more and and put myself out there. But I really, it was really good to be on my first podcast with y'all because I like what y'all do and I like you know how y'all run y'all show and the depth y'all go into everything. And but y'all, it's also really uh. It's really upbeat. Like I, it's not. It's not anything like dark. Like I like y'all's vibe to everything. So nice. It was yeah. nice. I, I like that. Well, I appreciate that, and Noah and I, and, and and Nick. You know, we just try to do the best job we can. This is a show that kind of reports on the news of the week. We add our commentary. And, uh, you know, we let you guys kind of run with it. Um, all the stuff we say happened. We don't necessarily say it's fact or true, but we, we let you go out and, and kind of make your own decision. Some of what we say is true. Um, yeah, that's true. W- one of the things I know is an absolute fact, though, is that the Steak for Breakfast podcast can be found on all major podcasting platforms. You can download us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. You can follow our episodes via our website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram at steakforpodcastbreakfast. And on Twitter at DOS23TRES. Hit the notification bell, and when you go back to Apple and circle back to that, download the shows, listen, like, follow, and share. Send a good comment if you're impelled to. And if not, Nick will probably read it on the air and be really pissed at you like he has in the past. Um, Some of our friends of the week, obviously, Anthony Sabatini. Clay Clark, Tanya Hernati, The Daily Breb 100%, Miss Wonder Woman, Katie Hardy, James from We The People Radio, Canadians 9, Marissa Hansen, Christina Bob, Tom Pepper to the National File, Priscilla, Miss Law of One, also known as Destroy Fear 22, Mike Lindell, Bobby Kennedy, and the real Nor Bin Laden. Mm. Before we get on to upcoming shows, Mr. Daily Breb, can you please tell all of our listeners on whatever social media platforms you feel comfortable giving out on the show, where they can find your accounts. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Daily Breb. And uh, my Twitter handle is Breb Daily. So it's just backwards, but it's B-R-E-B if it, for anybody who doesn't know. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's all, uh, that's all I'm on right now. So We're going to link you up in the show descriptions as well. So if anybody wants just that one-click ease to you we'll get it Mm. um we never want to forget some of our sponsors and by sponsors we mean people who we send their way so they can uh make more business the most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at odyssey and odyssey.com they're on facebook and instagram man rubs we're in the height of summer delicious don't mistreat your meat manrubs.com facebook and instagram i use this stuff all the time it's absolutely delicious Stay Ready Gear Holsters is at stayreadygear.com. If you have, let's just say, hear me out. Like this one? Well, no, that's a firearm. Oh. If you have... If it's, it's, in, it's in a... If it's the height of groiper season and you have the perfect groiper, you could send it to stayreadygear.com. They will put it on a concealed carry holster yeah. for you. Amazing. <laughs> I am wearing a Stay Ready Gear holster right now, though. I like it. 
Um, West Coast Survival Arms, our friend Mike over there, he's at 619-870-6992. He's also on Facebook and Facebook Messenger. That's West Coast Survival Arms for all your firearms needs. He's got ammo and more. Uh, MediocreMedic.com, they kind of got all of that funky tactical gear, flip-flops, T-shirts, sweatshirts, fanny packs. sandals, fanny packs, you name it. It's pretty good. They, they claim that their gear is mediocre, but I can tell you it's high quality. And then our good friend... Mark Joe Friday over at Dumpbox and Dumpbox US. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. It's the home of the Zero Fucks Duck Patch. If you don't know, well, you can inbox me and I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it. And I might even give you a promo code, too. Ooh. So we've got some upcoming shows that I think we're pretty excited for. We, we, we crushed it this week with the Breb, 100% thanks to him. Next week, Rock the, Ross the Boss is going to be on. Nice. Yeah, he just finished up a weekend over at SAS, and he's going to be coming over here. Hopefully, he'll bring the blue hair. And do the thing that he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll laugh a little bit. The week after that, it's going to be his good friend, Jordan Sarmo. Following week, August 10th, Lord Petty's going to be joining us. I like it. Yeah, kind of a dirty joke guy, but also starting to get a little bit red-pilled. Kind of really likes Papacito, so... He's had some pretty on-target memes. Yeah, he sure does. August 17th, we may or may not have Wonder Woman. We save the date as a return from her sick day. We're still open on the 24th, but on August 31st, I'm pleased to announce that one and only Miss Noor Bin Laden will be returning to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Eat it, Steve Bannon, not Q. (laughs) (laughs) And without further ado, I give you guys our friends of the week. We have Axia 6.0, Real Brenda Memes 4.0, Carm Vibes, always my favorite, Dan Scavino. We tag you and everything. Mostly peaceful memes. What's Wits Up 717? Khalil 3.2, formerly of 3.1. Garbaggio and all of his amazing accounts. That's News, Revenge, and Private Stock. Um, Flynn's Frog 2.0. Truth on Draft 2.0. I think that's it. Just kidding. Baby Cakes 2.0. Ladies and gentlemen. There are a few things that we ask all of our guests to do, and we wouldn't be a responsible podcast without doing it. Um, Noah, do you remember any of them? Uh, Just kidding. Hold the line, ride it, buy the dip. That's mine that you should do. Especially today, get the fuck in here. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, always remember... Whether the vibe is super positive or super negative because we need to keep you guys in the know. Do your own research because at the end of the day, where we go one, we go all. I'm Roan, and on behalf of my co-hosts Noah and Nick, this has been the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back next week, episode 51, Ross the Boss. But until then, thanks for listening and take care. She stepped in the other room. Be honest with you, I, I'm kind of retarded.